Hello and welcome to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. My name is Rob Peters, coming at you from Indianapolis, and my good friend and co-host Josh Roller joins me from Charlotte, North Carolina. We are recording things a bit earlier this week, but that just means we have immediate reactions from all the races this weekend. So, and I, and I know that normally... I probably would tend to draw this intro segment out a bit longer, but I think for the sake of time, we're going to go ahead and fade the music away now and jump right into the news, because there is actually not a ton of news to discuss. Uh, There's a decent amount, but not a ton. So let's go into Rob's Racing Report and start on off here with Formula One news. Uh, The first big news here is the FIA plans to change 2023 technical regulations in Formula One to address the issue of severe vertical oscillations, or porpoising, as it's been known, and from the Belgian Grand Prix this year. In a short-term fix, uh, the short-term fix will be a change in the technical directive, including a stiffening of the plank skids, changes to the way where is measured, and, quote, the introduction of of a metric which will quantify the bouncing, which will have to stay below a prescribed value during races, unquote, which is interesting because I feel like that is exactly what I, you and I may, uh, both proposed yes. as a possible way back, you know, month a months ago. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, not saying we're psychic right, right or anything after, like that, but. Yeah, it's like right after Azerbaijan, I feel like we talked about right. that because because Lewis Hamilton literally got his teeth rattled that race. Mm-hmm. Anyway, teams are were able to use this metric from the French Grand Prix to understand where their car falls and what, if any, changes they need to make before the end of the summer holiday. Uh, so interesting to see that. Um, kind of, kind of glad to that. That's hopefully finally going to get addressed because I think that's one of Mercedes' biggest issues is what's holding back their speed right now. I think that's just my opinion based upon what I've seen. Seems like they have speed when the car is not porpoising but as soon yeah. as they get on those straights and the car starts bouncing that's where it loses all that speed and and the ferrari and the red bull can just pull away oh. because they don't have those problems as as, as severely yeah uh nick devries replaced lewis hamilton in fp1 as part of mercedes requirement to give rookie drivers practice outings he previously had an outing with williams at barcelona good to see nick devries getting an opportunity in formula one like to see him get one next year but it probably won't happen we'll see i don't know uh let's move on to some nascar news uh because uh this is uh, i have i have mixed reactions about this it's official road america is out and a chicago street course is in for the nascar cup series a 12 turn 2.2 mile street course will join the calendar in 2023 and has a three-year contract imsa will also be racing on Saturday, while the Cup will run on Sunday. The race weekend will be on the July 4th weekend, which will fall on July 1st and 2nd this year. Now, NASCAR has left the door open for a Cup Series return to Road America in the future, and as I understand it, there's been no official announcement on the Xfinity Series status at Road America, but from what I understand and from what I'm hearing, it's likely that it could remain on the Xfinity schedule and possibly have a truck race added to it. Well, uh, here's a... That's a rumor. That's a rumor. Take that with a grain of salt. I'll I'll barge in here, uh, and then you can say your piece. (laughs) I mean, look, I think we both... 
for me, I it's got me really thinking. Now hearing it's official, it's like it's like you hear the rumor, you hear the rumor, and then you hit the official, and then you start thinking. You know what's the, what's NASCAR going to look like in ten years, right? What's it going to? What is a calendar going to look like? And you know, I feel like if you can make a correct street course, I think we've seen that in both Formula Open, this open wheel race, and whether it be IndyCar, Formula One, it can be a good, it can be a good race. I like the idea of bringing the race to fans. Will this not only deliver a big event? But will it be good racing, or will it be a, a, a something that is a hit the first year and it kind of is a dud years two and three? What will that be like? I don't like it being added at the expense of Road America. That frustrates me and it will forever frustrate me. I think Rob, you know, I, I don't think that was fair to the crowd up there, Road America. I much rather would have seen Kansas lose a date to Chicago. However, I would like to see also Kansas lose a date to Iowa. So whatever that happens there, we'll talk more about that later in the show. Um, but I, I like the idea of IMSA and NASCAR being there. I think that's cool. I hope Xfinity keeps the Road America date. Not sure how much I like trucks going to Road America. I much rather would have maybe seen an, M, an Xfinity IMSA doubleheader there. I don't know. Or Trans, Trans Am event, uh, SCCA be there with, with Xfinity instead. Is trucks going to have more than 23 races next year? Where's that date coming from? What, what What's going on? I, I don't know. Um, but as long as Road America gets an Xfinity date, I guess I can stomach this. I hope it's a good event. I hope the road course works out. Um, I liked the announcement. seemed to be pretty exciting. Um, I hope it all works out. I hope it's not something that, you know, three years from now we're regretting type of thing. You know what I mean? Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. That's my thoughts, Alvin. Anyways, that's my, that's my very condensed thoughts on it. Anyways, no, I mean, I think I think your thoughts are fair. I think you're you're absolutely you're right. I I feel like it it should have been another one of those situations where a, a track with two dates should have lost one. Um, in favor of of instead of taking Road America off the schedule, I. I mean, obviously, since they've left the door open to it coming to the to it coming back, it's it's just disappointing that it 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 lost that July Fourth date because, as I've said multiple times on this show, that July Fourth date was I felt really really good for Road America. Um, it felt like a big party every time that you know you're watching the race. It felt like a big party. It just did, you know. It, it felt like as big of a deal as Daytona did when it was on that date. Um, I, you know, I do want I, to, I, not to interrupt you. I do want to interject one thing. Putting it on July 4th is the perfect date for this race though. I will say that. I mean, yeah, I don't have a problem with, with them going there. I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with the Chicago streets course. I mean, obviously, like I said, I think they, made this next-gen car in mind with the idea of it being diverse in mind. They wanted to race on dirt. They're racing on dirt. This car actually runs well on dirt when the dirt, it, when the track is actually prepared well. Right. You know, um, when the track is prepared well, this car can run on dirt, which is not something most people ever expected because people usually don't expect 
these heavy stock cars to produce a dirt because they're heavy and because of very, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why it's, they're not expected to produce some dirt. Um, in the same regard, NASCAR said, okay, we want to make this car better for road courses. They've done that. I think they've succeeded at that. Uh, and because they've succeeded at that, they feel like this car can now be ta- taken to the street courses. And that's again, perfectly fine with me. I don't, I don't mind that. I like the idea of IMSA running there well. That actually makes me very excited, the idea of IMSA running there. Um, I think that will be the that would be the draw. I think for me personally as a race fan, if I wanted to go, I will probably go on, on that Saturday instead of the Sunday. Not because I wouldn't want to see the NASCAR race, but because I feel like the IMSA race would be a guaranteed banger. And... You know, obviously, I'm not trying to discourage people if they want to go to see the race, the NASCAR race. By all means, go. But for me personally, I would probably rather see the IMSA race than the NASCAR race, just because I know what I'm going to get out of the IMSA race. Whereas with the NASCAR race, it would be completely who knows. This could be a boring snooze fest, or a bonkers race, or a pretty average race. You know, no, I, I don't know. And then maybe great race. It, it might be a great race. You know. And and not to say that I don't like that. I usually do like that. You know, I I felt like last year's quote unquote brickyard was interesting for that reason alone. I didn't know what I was going to see. See, I didn't know what I I didn't know what to expect. And to a, a to a point, that was kind of cool. But given that option to have that IMSA race there for me as a race fan, I'm like, yeah, that's that's what piqued my interest more than the NASCAR thing was that IMSA bringing IMSA there as as a support race did they announce what classes i don't think so i really I, hope they bring them all or, I hope or at least, too. yeah i mean if they don't bring dpi i think it's a missed opportunity yeah and absolutely. by the way this was a this this remind just have me flashback to when did game of thrones in 2019 2020 2019 huh it, okay it, it flashed back to them because i called you know, brand would be the king at the end of it all i called it but i never tweeted it and that was just like this with, with the with what said they should bring IMSA to oh. Chicago here too, and um and I thought that I'm like I should tweet it, and then it happened like I need to start tweeting these things out so I have it on record. You have the right thoughts, but you don't put them on Twitter. Yes, I know. Um, or maybe my fear is that well, it won't come true. Then I don't know. But yeah, I, I um I hope it works out. I I, I will say this. I think. Rob, it, it, I'm, I'm going to remind you of um, what my three favorite words are. Yeah. Optics, picturesque, and aesthetics. Yeah. And this circuit, Chicago, checks those boxes off where it's at. I mean, you, you put a street course in Phoenix, it ain't going to work out. It, it's not going to check those boxes off. But Just along the way... One. Well, for, well, to think it's an example why it didn't work out, it's, like, it's horrible. But the thing we have it at... Chicago, where they have it, along the lakefront, it's close to Navy Pier, near close to Soldier, uh, Soldier Field. And my my favorite thing about it was that you can go on Google Earth and it's so easy to find it. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Like, that's not like, like, unless you're a race fan, like, it's, there's certain street courses where you can't necessarily find them. Like, I'll, I'll go through Google Earth and be like, oh, look here's monaco or look here's long beach you know like, what i mean those are the two that are probably the easiest to find right and then there's other ones that are like trying to find singapore is impossible trying to find <laughs> baltimore is is impossible too like 
or you or you second guess like, does it really do that yes it does yeah. it does cross a railroad track you are correct it does san jose did too let's not san forget o- that san jose. <laughs> yeah that that is true um uh, yeah um thank goodness this one doesn't <laughs> yeah no kidding um but i i'm looking i'll i'm looking forward to it if i don't have it if i um i don't know where i'll be in 11 months necessarily uh scheduling wise but i I might, if I'm able to, I might buy a ticket to this race next year. I yeah, will say I, that. I'm the same. I might, at the very least, go see, like, the, I might, at the very least, go see the IMSA race. Like, I mean, I would go see, like, NASCAR practice and qualifying, but I would mainly go there for the IMSA race, which is, you know, and, you know, actually, if you were I've heard, smart, I've heard think- rumors now that Indianapolis is coming back to the IMSA calendar, too, so. Let's go. Let's go. But, but the other hot rumor is that it's being it's replacing Mid Ohio. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the hot rumor. Why don't they just add four two races to the calendar? Make it fourteen races instead of twelve. I don't know, Josh. I don't know. You, you don't go breaking my heart like you. You got me all excited, and then you, I know. And, 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 and How and do you think I saw where I read it? How do you think I felt when I read that? Everybody is like conflicted. It's like, yes, finally, they're going back to Indianapolis. This is good. This is generally good. People have wanted this. And then it comes at the expense of mid-Ohio, and everybody's like, oh, that's not cool. You can't just do that. You can't just give us this piece of cheese and then tell us that it's like expired. Yeah, that's not cool. I I mean I've been, I've been an advocate. I think I think IMSA just needs three or four more races to its calendar, and and on top of the twelve they go to. There's so many beautiful racetracks in the United States that IMSA could be going to. Yes, um, and they don't. And, and I mean, and obviously, going to Indianapolis is a great one. And and again, not hating them going to the Chicago Street Course, but it, again, it it kind of it's a bummer. It's a bummer when long-standing tracks get phased out for one reason or another yeah especially if they're putting on good races yeah okay uh let's talk about more nascar stuff napa auto parts has extended its 26 race primary sponsorship of chase elliott signing a multi-year contract um that's really good for the sport obviously napa's still getting an roi um, on that sponsor well (laughs) you're sponsoring chase elliott you're probably getting an roi on it but yeah. Um. In the same regard, of anyone who's sponsoring Bubba Wallace is probably getting an ROI on it too. Yeah. Um. Right now, I mean, yeah. those are two guys that you're you're definitely getting an ROI on. Um. Uh, speaking of uh, Bubba Wallace, twenty three eleven, Denny Hamlin shared that twenty three eleven will have their own pit crews beginning in twenty twenty three. Good. Good, good news for everybody involved in that team. Yep. Not renting the TRD uh, practice squad for once, which is essentially what they've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. Good, uh, good for them. In-house people, you have no one else to blame but yourselves if they yep. don't perform. Exactly. But And then, too, they there's but there's more that they can do. They're not renting a practice squad. That's the thing. You know, they, yep. there's more that they can do. They can fire people if they need to. Exactly. You know, they could keep, and they can hire the, the right people, fire the wrong people. It, Maybe move move people around too. Uh, Have your own practice squad. Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, let's see here. Matt De Benedetto is returning to Rackley WAR from the Truck Series next year, so he is content with 
being in the truck series. Yeah. Not going to make a further comment on Matty D because he's been relatively quiet and under the radar this year. So yeah. I, I, I'm just going to take that as a win. Um, Kyle Larson won the best driver of 2022 award in the ESPYs, which was surprising. Very, um, very surprising. I feel like, I don't know. I almost expected backlash for that, but I didn't see very much. There was very little backlash. I mean, I think the one thing that's, if I think it was probably between him and Max, and I mm. think the thing that sold whoever this committee was who decided it was he won on so many different levels of racing, so many different types of cars that you say, well, Max Verstappen is a one-trick pony, and he won, you know, all the yeah, he's racing in Formula One, and you have a bunch of backing with him, but. Kyle Larson won in Cup, late model, sprint cars. I mean, it a- says it, it says best driver. It doesn't say best, you know, it's it's just best driver. It doesn't say best season in any single series. It says best right. driver. And I think, and I, I don't know. I Ooh, feel like. Who drove? I mean, if Max Verstappen, like, did like a WEC race or something and won, won I'm sure it would. Yeah. That probably wouldn't have happened because, but. If he it, if he won some sports car race, you know, not necessarily Le Mans, but like any sports car race, I'm sure that that would have probably put him in the same. That would have made things harder because it would have given him a leg up or the same leg that that Larson had in that case. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's interesting. It was interesting not to say that Larson didn't deserve it because I think you can make, but you can make an argument for Larson and, and you can make an argument for Verstappen. You could. You could you could have made an argument for all of the nominees, and that's what's so crazy about the ESPYS is sports awards show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and the Tour de France winner never gets an ESPY, which is always weird to me. I don't understand. And as I've always said, that should be worthy of an ESPY alone, as I still believe it's one of the hardest things to accomplish in all of sports. Period. And they don't even recognize it at the ESPYS. Like they don't like the, the previous winner doesn't even get put in. Like Tadej Pogacar doesn't even get put into like the category of like best overall athlete or most in, or or whatever. Like he doesn't even get put in. And it's like, did 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 you not watch what the guy? I mean, I, maybe not this year, but last year and the year before that, definitely. I don't know. That's my that's another problem I have with the ESPYS. Not to say that I hate them, but. Okay, uh, last piece of NASCAR news, which is relatively fresh in our heads, I guess. Um, and this is kind of concerning still to me, but I'll talk about this in a minute. Kurt Busch was deemed unfit to race Sunday at Pocono and was replaced by Ty Gibbs in the number 45-2311 racing McDonald's Toyota. Uh, he finished 18th, but then was elevated to 16th following some disqualifications. Um, I'm concerned about this because when I saw Kurt Busch's hit, it didn't seem that bad and now he's got concussion like symptoms and this is this is the thing that's happening continuously still we're seeing this is like it and i don't want to say like nascar dropped the ball in safety because i don't think that they would do that but definitely this new car is is way stiffer than the old the than the gen 6 this next year car is way and, and you see it the way these crashes happen when you compare the two. It just doesn't seem like there's a lot of give like the car hits and it doesn't bounce off the wall, even if it hits the safer barrier. Doesn't like, even it doesn't look like it, it crash or crumple zones. And, no, yeah. you don't. The damage 
of these cars, you know, these cars can hit, you know, dead with the rear of the car, dead center on a wall, and it not look all that bad visually. And that's the thing that kind of makes it, it, it misleading is because, oh, well, it doesn't look that bad visually, so it must not be that bad. And then you find out, oh, the driver's like injured or he might be concussed or something. It's like, well, how did this happen? The, the crash damage doesn't look that bad, but every time it just seems like every time I see this, the car does not seem to have that give. Like there's no parts coming off the car like you would expect to see with, with crumple zones, with you know energy dissipation. The car kind of hits the wall and doesn't really it doesn't chain, you know, it, it, it stays there. It kind of is just a, and, and it'll, all of the energy gets, it has to be absorbed somewhere and it doesn't visually look like the energy's being absorbed. And it, it worries me, especially now after this, seeing Kurt Busch's crash, seeing other accidents that have caused other similar driver injuries or similar concussion, like symptoms. It makes me seriously wonder how, what is absorbing the energy in these cars and is it is the driver absorbing more energy than they have in both the cot and the gen 6 yeah i mean it's very yeah the crash when i um i was driving back and i get text saying hey yeah ty gibbs is in the 45 i'm like what and i'm like why is that um and I looked at, and I didn't get a chance to look at the crash. Like so was done driving, and I'm like, Ooh, that 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 really didn't look all that bad. And um, you know, it, another thing that could have happened is was there a failure in the in like the Hans device too? Like we saw Ricky Stenhouse in the Daytona 500 or something wrong there. I'm just trying to. I'm not saying you're wrong. I I think the car is definitely stiffer. These these cars are not. I feel like some of the crashes I've seen. Like, especially like head-on crashes like with, with Cindric or Blaney. Um, if you take like a head-on crash with like an Xfinity car and you compare it to a cup car, the Xfinity car is holding up a lot less than than the cup, and the cup is just holding up so much better. I'm like, well, that's not... Someone's taking that shot, and it's a driver. And, um, yeah, I agree. I, I, hopefully that there are... Again, you go back. If I was an ass car, I mean, I, don't, I, I think they repaired that car, correct? Um, uh, yeah, I think they did. Point three eleven. I if I was NASCAR, I would hope that they said, "Look, you can repair your car. We'll let you have all the time in the world to to fix it. We need to take pictures of this thing first before before you get your hands on it, so we can figure out what's going on." Um, but maybe they didn't get to to, to think. I don't know when those concussion con, concussion 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 like symptoms were beginning to be displayed if they if they saw it in time they caught it in time before 23 yeah, i think i read the car i think i heard on the radio that ty gibbs was got the call late last night so they had to have known like around eight so nine o'clock so at that point the the car was probably already underway being repaired and if there was any idea to check the car to see okay what what can we take pictures of? What can we? What data we can collect? If other than now, just computer data, you know. Just I, I hope Kurt's okay. Um, he's able to be back in the car this week at uh, in Indianapolis, and uh, you know, speedy recovery for him for sure. Um, and and uh, as we'll talk about a little bit later too, 
Joseph Newgarden, too. Hopefully he's okay um, as well. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, Rob, you got one more piece of news to share? Well, I mean, we can't leave people in the dark on Joseph Newgarden. We should probably let them know that, um, you know, from what I understand, Joseph Newgarden, after the race today or Sunday, uh, he he fainted and fell and hit his head um, and outside the motorhome lot. And he this was, was after the race, after he'd already after been the checking, race, after checked the race. and cleared from his yeah. accident. Yes. From his accident from earlier in the race, yes. He uh, was then, um, because of the concert traffic and everything, they airlifted him to the, to the hospital, uh, I believe in Des Moines. Right, and yeah, he, Des Moines is not too far away from Newton, Iowa. He, I mean, it was all precautionary. I mean, it didn't seem like he said, they, the doctor said he was awake and alert. Um, and everything was seemingly fine. So I guess he's just going to the hospital for further checkup just because, you know, he hit his head. Um, they wanted to make sure he didn't, you know, have any you know, like concussion-like symptoms from hitting his head, you know, because that could happen if you faint and you hit your head. I mean, it, that could happen. So um, yep. I just uh, got to gotta be careful. Got to be careful. Um, but, uh, yeah, it looks like, Hopefully he'll be okay and and good to go for, uh, for the Indianapolis Road Course next week. Um, I'm gonna move on here to the next piece of news. The last piece of news for the week is supercars related, uh, and it's kind of some sad news here. It was announced last week that Pukekohe Park in New Zealand will cease all motor racing activities after April second, twenty twenty three. Supercars as basically said that they are committed to remaining in New Zealand and that they are looking to find another venue to race in New Zealand. But, you know, for decades, Pukekohe has been basically the supercars place to be, you know, the supercars location in in New Zealand. Uh, One of the only races that they do in New Zealand, and it's been New Zealand's home for racing for so long as well. And unfortunately, I guess they just said they're going to close this park the circuit down and focus on thoroughbred racing so josh a lot of like what happened with uh the state fairgrounds in indiana yeah and and no more motor racing because i guess the horse racing product is more popular or whatever arguably i i don't know where that what it's, it's got to be because of the betting it has to be. Yeah, it's absolutely. I don't I mean, why can't but you, you bet, can on bet on races now, too? Yeah. yeah. Why not? What's the what's the difference? Have a, have a sports book outside the racetrack, too. I mean, Make I, the I'm, same revenue. I don't. I'm sure the same. I'm sure it's just cost related to running an auto race compared to a to a horse race. And um, which. I don't know if that. I don't know if that adds up to throwing away all a rich history of auto racing, whether you're talking about the state fairgrounds in Indiana or in New Zealand. I don't I don't think that's worth that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's extremely sad to see. Uh, the good news is they got some people got some time to. To lobby to. Not make this a reality and continue auto racing there. I mean, I like Pukakoe. I think it's a cool little racetrack and. I hate that they have made this decision personally, and I, it's it's just a bummer. I hate when racetracks close, especially for reasons like that, because, you know, I, 
I don't have any major issue with horse racing, but you can't sit here and tell me that a horse race is more exciting than an auto race. I, I just, I, I mean, I, I, mean, I if yeah, it's I, not the Kentucky Derby, I don't care. I precisely, I was about to say, like, unless it's unless it's part of that the Triple Crown, and and there's a right. potential for a, a horse to win all three. I mean, it's not super exciting for me. I'm like, I'll tune in for the Kentucky Derby, but I'm not going to tune in for anything else. Whereas, I feel like, and then I feel like you also could have a, several more side bets and or parlays for auto racing than you could for horse betting. I mean, I just, yeah, uh, I, 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 my guess is Rob. It just, it just, it's just cost related. It's just cost related at this time. Unfortunately, has to be. Just a shame. I hate that for everybody in New Zealand. You know, I'm pouring one out for y'all. I want everybody, every every Kiwi down there to know I'm pouring one out for y'all because it's it's not fair. It's not fair. Um, Josh, we're gonna talk about uh, our featured paint scheme. And uh, speaking of Kiwis, yours yours is gonna be on a Kiwi. Yeah. Um, we're gonna talk about uh, the summer of cart is continuing. We're talking about again the summer of cart. And that means we're going to talk about uh, the 2002 cart season, which was, in my opinion, probably the last great season of cart, um, where the competition level was still relatively high. Uh, there were different engine manufacturers. There were different um, chassis manufacturers. There were, you know, there were ovals, big ovals, short ovals, road track courses, street courses. You know, no one type of track dominated. This, the type of schedule, you know, you, you had a, a fair amount of ovals, you had a fair amount of, of road courses, you had a fair amount of street courses, um, different types of ovals as well. You had uh, Rockingham was on the schedule still, Fontana was on the schedule, but then you also were going to Milwaukee, you were going to Chicago, like mile uh, racetracks. Um, you know, it, 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 was, it was a very interesting and fun time for CART, uh, even though and it was really the last hurrah for what was I would say is the classic era of cart where a lot of people look back fondly, even though you know Pen by this point Penske had left. Uh, there were a number of drivers who had defected to the IRL, but you still had you know a lot of very very talented drivers in the series like Cristiano D'Amato who was Formula One bound. Um, you had Michael Andretti was still racing there. You had uh, Scott Dixon was with Ganassi at this time, and he was teammates with Kenny Brack. Uh, and uh, that was, how about that? You know, Bruno Junquera as well. Um, you know, just a lot of really, really great. Tony Kanan was there. Um, just listing off all of the different, Dario Franchitti, Paul Tracy, you know, all of these, Patrick Carpentier, Alex Tagliani, the players' cars were there too. Just a lot of, a lot of fun. Sad that they weren't at Michigan though, that, that was kind of a big problem. They made a cart made a lot of bad decisions after 2001 and 2002 just continued those bad decisions and resulted in 2003. But we're going to think about this season fondly and Josh, you're going to tell about us all about your featured paint scheme here, the uh, the fun one-off livery that you've picked and I love it and I'm so happy that you picked it. Not because I wanted to pick it, but because I'm so glad that's you're talking about this. I feel like this paint scheme gets forgotten. And I love that you've selected this and t are talking about it today. So go ahead and take it away and tell everybody what you picked. 
for the record, did uh, did I steal this one? Was this no, 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 no. Actually, the actually, I was going to talk about the the normal scheme, the okay. regular scheme, not no. this one. Um, but when you selected that, I went with the backup anyway, just because I didn't want to like keep have the show be all one team or something. But okay. so no, no, you did not steal it. You did not steal it. I'm I'm perfectly okay with this. I'm glad that you picked it because, like I said, it's it's obscure, it's forgotten, and I'm glad that you're talking about it. Okay, all right. Well, he hinted out he picked a kiwi. He mentioned his name already. It's uh, Scott Dixon. Uh, his number forty four Coolers Light Target Toyota for Chip Ganassi Racing. Obviously, Chip Ganassi Racing Coolers Light very much associated with NASCAR. Sterling Marlin and David Stremme uh, in in the NASCAR Cup Series. Might have even... I forget. Would the, did Coors Light sponsor a Bush car for for Chip at all? I don't believe so. Okay, I don't think so either. I can't I can't think of... I can't think of one. But Coors has been in, in NASCAR for a long time. Chicken Nassie from 01 to 06. So, um, you know, they were there for, for a while with them, but... Well, they were there before then too. With yeah, Felix yeah, they were there. Modest, then, yeah. yeah, it was Savko, but with Chip Ganassi there for for six seasons. But this was a one-off scheme here, uh, as he mentioned, primarily a silver livery. Very familiar with the Cup Cup car, um, and it did have red around it along the bottom, as with the Cup car. And then the Coors Light Mountain Coors Light Mountains there. Uh, no, they didn't turn blue when it was cold. Uh, that that wasn't a thing yet, I don't think. But the rear ring was a little darker red because it was where the target bullseyes were located. And, um, you know, I, I will say before I wrap it up, Dixon raced the scheme only one time, and it was on the streets of Denver, where he started fourth and finished second, which was his only podium that year. It was just not a great season for, for Dixon. He finished uh, 13th in the standings there. Uh, seven DNFs, zero laps led. Uh yeah, rough, rough, rough season for him. This was a car I always wish, kind of even before thinking about this one, because I've seen this scheme before and whatnot. I know it's a summer of carp, but I wish, I wish we had a Coors Light scheme in the IRL uh, or uh, with uh, with Chip. Did it happen? We, we, uh, Robbie Gordon in '97. Hold on. Okay, well, I, okay, I meant with, 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 with I meant like in the 2000s. Oh, okay. In the, in, the, in the 2000s era, I wish we had one, because um, that would have just been that would have been cool to see. And uh, I, I, the 44, Rob. Now I I, I took a good look at this scheme earlier this morning, and now I'm and now I'm blanking. This the 44 was not the same font as the NASCAR font, correct? No, no, no. That was. I mean, obviously they didn't want to change the font probably from his regular scheme, but that would have just if someone can make that on trading paints, this this scheme with the four with the with the same font that the Ganassi cars had, or at least the Marlin and streaming cars had, and uh, that would be perfect. So if you could do that, fantastic. I don't have that artistic capability at this time. So, but cool car. Glad I, glad I will talk about it. Glad you didn't. Um, glad you didn't want to pick this one, Rob. So. Um, I just dropped. Nobody else can see it, but this is great radio. But I just dropped a picture of that Robbie Gordon. You did. Uh, you did in the chat here for you, so that you can see what it looked like uh, when he was there in 1997 at the Indianapolis 500. Well, just think about what if, what if, 
Dixon took instead of Target, or uh, what if uh, um, whoever I can't remember the early teammates there in the early two thousands that Dixon had in the IRL. Darren, uh, he had Thomas Schechter in '03. He okay. had Darren Manning in 04. It was supposed oh. to be Tony Renna, but it ended up being Darren Manning. Yeah. And then in uh, 05, he had uh, Ryan Briscoe for a little bit in a third car, and then also Darren Manning in the 10. Um, and then 06, that's when they had that they brought Weldon in, um, okay. and then they didn't do any had a, didn't have a third car really ever again. But they had a cool. third car briefly for Ryan Briscoe. So I wish they had that Coors Light sponsorship on that second car. For well, him. hold on it's, now. I, you know what, Buddy Lazier had a sponsor, had a Coors Light sponsorship too in two thousand two. Well, this is let's see, Buddy, Buddy Lazier. This is great radio. We are simply Buddy Lazier Coors Light. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners could probably look this up, right? Follow as long as you're not driving, it. you can yeah, look. This so up. yeah, I'm looking. Okay, I'm looking at the scheme here now. It's got blue on it, and that yeah. just the it it it. I want I want. You want a pure silver and the I red. want a silver with red and mountains along the bottom. Again, yeah, I, I, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate Coors Light and their participation in American Open Wheel Racing, but that one just, yeah, that one doesn't do. It's also not with Ganassi either. I want a Ganassi. I mean, you're right. I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this now too for you, and I I love those Ganassi cars from from cart back then and from the IRL uh, all the way up from until 2006. So all through 2005, that white, the white uh, on the, on, on the front nose and then the red side pods and the red or white um, rear wing. I love that. But now I'm looking at this one too. And I kind of see more of what you're talking about. There's no, there's no blue around here or anything. It's just, it's just the red and the and the silver and everything. So I can definitely see where you where you're coming from there. Uh, com- almost kind of reminds me of that uh, paint scheme they ran in 2014 at the Indy 500, celebrating Target's uh, 25 years. I think involved what, with Chip Ganassi. What which which year was that? 2014. 2014. Uh, yeah, Kanan and Dixon that year drove silver and red. Ah, uh, yes, schemes. yes. Um, yeah, it actually when I first saw that scheme that Buddy Lazier drove, I actually thought about the Bell South car that they that Ted Musgrave raced after Kenny Irwin Jr. passed away mm-hmm. when it was a zero one different team and everything. That's actually the first car that came to mind there. But uh, yeah, uh, so anyways, just to put a bow on that for mine, uh, Coors Light uh, always a good choice, always a good paint scheme, uh, but definitely prefer the Chip Ganassi. Definitely prefer the Chip Ganassi one. So uh, Rob, why don't you take uh, tell us about yours then? I'm just like I'm look I'm still looking at yours and re- remembering just how hot that was and remembering how why are we not going back to Denver? Why are we going to all these street courses? Why is IndyCar going to all these street courses? Like, and they're not considering Denver again. Like, that course was awesome. First and it foremost, was. that course was awesome, and it was challenging. And it had great passing zones, and it had a lot of great action on it. And it was in a market that just really is in need of some kind of auto racing, especially with Pikes Peak not having any major racing series there. Colorado National having uh, not having the ARCA series, ARCA West here this year. You know, I'm like, 
dude, why are we not going back to Denver and having a revival? I mean, we could revive that Houston street course. Why can't we revive the Denver street course? That's what I'm, I, I want to know that that's, we need a race in Denver. There needs to be a race in Colorado and in Denver. And they had that race and it was exciting. It was a fun racetrack. It's a good racetrack. And that paint scheme ran there. Just, I don't know. Anyway, my featured paint scheme is going to be Dario Franchitti's uh, Team Cool Green, but it wasn't green. It was blue. It was blue, and I love I love this because uh, Paul Tracy had a had a similar scheme, and it was instead of like instead of the typical green and white, they had this kind of they the the cool green cars had like this silver uh, feel to it, like almost a chrome kind of look to their cars that year. And uh, Franchitti ran a blue paint scheme in 2002 instead of a green one. So Paul Tracy had the green, and it was a different shade of green. It was kind of a little bit darker and with combined with the silver looking. And then Franchitti had kind of like this dark blue with the, this this kind of chrome look to it. And then the silver, uh, the silver part on the top, so you got these blue side pods and this blue rear wing and then the silver front nose, a silver um, engine cover and everything. Yeah. Just an absolutely beautiful looking race car. Um, Paul Tracy's too, but I like Dario's because it, it was so different. It was blue. It was like, this is, this is the team cool green cars. Like they've been green for the last several years, like about five years at that point that they had been racing that kind that, that type of car and uh suddenly it was blue again it kind of gave throwback because it was 27 uh so it kind of gave a little weird throwback to the 27 that Jacques Villeneuve ran at the 95 Indy 500 number of reasons why I like this but then also let's not forget that Dario statistically had one of his better seasons in cart this season uh finishing fourth in the championship and uh notching three Three wins, one at Vancouver, one at Montreal, and then one at Rockingham. He won in the United Kingdom. He's the last uh, uh, Scott UK born driver to do that in the IndyCar, in an IndyCar, I believe, to win in his home, uh, not country, because he's not from England, but he's from Scotland, but like his home kingdom, I guess, United Kingdom. Yeah. Um, winning in England. Um, Really cool. Overall, he had uh, he had more podiums than that. He he had a second in the first race at Monterey. He had a third at uh, Motegi. He had a third at Portland. A third in Chicago. Um, and so he had you know he did fairly well. Um, not as good as he did in '99 when he finished second, and not as good in '98 where he finished third, but still fourth in the championship was really really good. Uh, kind of just continued to prove the kind of quality driver Dario always has been, and always. I think will always go down in history as probably one of one of the best drivers probably of the of the late of the 90s and 2000s like I agree. anything. I agree. Um, absolutely hands down. Um anyway, uh but that's my featured paint scheme. I wanted to talk about that. I really like that. It's a fun fun one to get to talk about. Um so let's go ahead here and shift on in. Ah, uh, see what I did there to the upshift and downshift segment of the show with the bonus question. If you're new here, let's uh, refresh your memory. Upshift means you agree. Downshift means you disagree. We're going to be presented with a series of hypothetical questions and/or statements, and/or just in general statements. Just 
you know, what do we agree? Do we agree with it? Do we not agree with it? How do we feel about it? Uh, go ahead and start off with this first one. A Formula One French Grand Prix at the Bugatti Circuit in Le Mans would be preferable to one on the streets of Nice. Uh, how do you shift on that one, Josh? I'm going to go neutral right off the bat here. I think in 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 some ways, yes, it would be better than Nice. I think we've already discussed a few weeks ago where you know Nice being basically neighbors with Monaco, would that be disastrous potentially to Monaco's stature? But also, do you really want to have a Formula One race that's kind of racing in the shadows of the 24 Hours of Le Mans? That'd be my fear. Um, I get why you might want that, but um, I'm going to go neutral because I feel like between Nice, the Bugatti Circuit, Le Mans, uh, Paul Ricard, and Magni Corps, I think they they can find a circuit within that that the French Grand Prix can race on because the French Grand Prix, to me, is one of those races where it absolutely should be on the F1 calendar, no questions asked. And it's sad that it's on the chopping block. Yeah, um, I, I'm, look, I'm, I don't know how to feel about this one. I, I don't hate Paul Ricard like everybody else does. I think that they should use different, a different layout and you could make for a much better race if they just used a different layout. Yeah. Um, but in general, I don't hate it. So, but obviously, I'm going to prefer one no matter what on a permanent circuit. Not the Bugatti circuit, though, as as much as as that. I, I don't know. I just, I don't think F1 should be at Lamar. That just sounds wrong to me. I mean, it's because you got the big 24 hour race there. Yeah. And it's just, it's going to play second fiddle in its stature. Yeah. You know? If you want to bring F two or F three, you want to put F two or F three there. Great, but what? I don't think F. I, I'm, di- I'm di- di- from st- the regional, maybe. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. I'm just talking about like stature wise. F one is not F two and F three. They're never going to beat Lamar, right? But no. um, Formula One, you're competing with. I don't. I don't like the idea of F one at, at Lamar. I'm sorry. Yeah. Boy, interesting, fun question. Uh, next one here, a Toyota executive said that Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing are, quote, contingency planning for Kyle Busch's possible departure if a deal cannot be reached. Do you upshift this or downshift this, Josh? I mean, you kind of got to be contingency planning, right? So I kind of got to upshift that. I feel like it's it's sad it's gotten to this point that they lost a potential sponsor in negotiations. They have more on the table, potentially, to fill out the schedule. I mean... Or fill out the the calendar of races for Kyle Busch, and I still believe that. Look, I upshift their contingency plan. They absolutely have to be. Um, I I, do, I hope he doesn't leave because I did, I just don't know what this is going to ripple effect is going to be through the entire cup and truck garages. Um, but this is all coming down to money, and I believe he's taking a pay cut no matter what. And right now he's like, okay, well, how much money can you offer me? And 
is Stuart Haas is I saw one person I don't it's not really it wasn't a rumor it was a comment well someone goes well why doesn't Kyle Busch just go to Richard Childress Racing and Tyler Gibbs go to the 18 for a year before going to 2311 I'm like well I mean that that makes interesting sense but is Kyle Busch's home at Richard Childress Racing going to be permanent you know is that is is he going to want to race for a team that the owner wants someone <laughs> you know I I don't know I but I upshift. I like Toyota. I, I will say this. I will upshift also Toyota's transparency through this entire process. They haven't really get, been tight-lipped, so I appreciate that. Um, yeah, you kind of have to be contingency planning, though. You have to be, okay, what's plan B, and when do we got to flip to the plan B section of this book? You know, where's that line in the sand? Yeah, I have to say that um, it's, not surprising to me i just don't know where kyle's gonna go that's gonna offer him what he wants or even be able to grab him a sponsorship at this late of of a time um unless someone already has something lined up i i feel like it's i mean it's it's not a bad idea to be contingency planning and obviously i think ty gibbs doing as well as he did on such short notice you know finishing the race not just finishing it in the top 20 but finishing the race period in a car where we saw lots of veteran drivers spin out with, uh, you know, my feelings on Ty Gibbs are the same. I I don't like necessarily what he says and does on the racetrack, but I can't deny the fact that the kid has talent. Um, Sounds a lot like Kyle Busch. Just saying. I like what Kyle Busch does out on the racetrack. So I don't, I think he does it fairly. I don't think Ty Gibbs does it fairly. I think Kyle Busch is fair in what he does. That's just everything. Everything I've seen Kyle Busch do, except for the Ron Hornaday incident, um, most everything I've seen Kyle Busch do, except for that Ron Hornaday incident, I've kind of seen his side and been like, I, I get it. I think it was, it was fair. You know, that's just been me. But with Ty Gibbs, I can't say that. It's most of the time, it's like this was not fair. But anyway, um, no, I, I look, man, I'm just like. I feel like it's it's inevitable that they have to. I mean, I I just don't. They ha- you have to be you have to be contingency planning. You have to be having a, a backup plan. And I I just think you know maybe that backup plan is now more firmly Ty Gibbs. It would make sense. I mean, who else are they going to grab? Um, you know, you're not going to grab anybody out of KBM yet. Who else is ready to step up in the Xfinity ride? Okay, well you've got Ty and you've got Brandon Jones. You're not going to promote Brandon Jones. You're probably going to take pick up tie right okay well that makes sense um you know it 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 just makes sense it just makes sense that they would be planning this stuff already especially given what could happen um but like i said it's still weird i said this last week and i said and i'll say this again i still i have no idea where kyle bush would go i have no idea what he would do then with kbm what would be the outcome of kbm how would that work He's got a truck team. He's got, now he's got an ARCA team. They're both tied very closely with Toyota. They're both tied very closely with Gibbs. I have to imagine he has certain costs subsidized by them. Yeah. In or, because otherwise there'd be just no way that, I mean, he could make that work and want to make that work if he's not getting subsidized somehow. And maybe he's not. I don't know. I'm just, to me, it seems like that probably sweetens the deal, right? I just don't know where he'd end up. I upshift that they have a contingency plan. I just have, I just have no idea where this is going to go from here. It's it's just going to be interesting to watch it all play out. 
Uh, next piece of uh, news here, Lewis Hamilton made his 300th career start in the French Grand Prix on Sunday, and no driver has won a Grand Prix after making their 300th start in the history of Formula One. Do you upshift or downshift that Hamilton will not win again? Uh, I, I downshift. Hamilton is going to win again. Um, I love how everyone's drawing this conclusion. Like, oh, Hamilton, this is it. This is it. Hamilton, he's made his 300th career start. He's never going to win again. I'm like, no. Hamilton's going to win again. Um Mercedes gets his car figured out. You're going to have six cars up there easily contending for the win instead of just four. So Hamilton will win again. I'm not worried about that at all. So um, I downshipped. Oh, this is the easiest thing for me. Dude, Hamilton is a car that doesn't porpoise and good strategy away from another race victory. Do people not realize this? (laughs) He is a car that doesn't porpoise and good strategy away from... Any, it could win any race from here on out as long as the car stops porpoising as bad as it does so that it can reach top speed and so long as he has good pit stops and good strategy and can actually overtake for stopping either in pit road or on on the racetrack. I, I just... Really? Are we really... Are there people really... Of course people are saying this because these are the same people who are, you know, just tribalists like oh max is better than lewis max or lewis is better than max it's like they're both great drivers we're both witnessing senna prost like v3 v2.0 why can't we not just sit back and enjoy it why do we have to be at each other's throats about this like come on yeah we're sitting here watching two of the all-time greats in the sport of formula one go head to head and we're turning it into tribalist nonsense really do we need to do this I no. mean, look, I did this. I did my fair share of this crap when Jimmy Johnson was winning cup races every other weekend. Okay, I did my fair share of this crap. But you know, eventually by 2013, and I I grew up and I realized, damn, six championships is really impressive. I'm kind of lucky to be able to say that I sat, I was able to watch this. You know, because it's not going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. We're not going to see Hamilton versus Verstappen for. We might not see it through the end of the decade, so we might as well just enjoy it while we can. You know what I mean? Why? Why are we just? But yes, Hamilton will win again before, probably before the year's up, and if not next year, I mean, it's. I have a hard time seeing him not win a race this year. I just feel like, like I mean, we talked about F one trying to regulate the porpoising, trying to figure it out, trying to fix it. That's really Mercedes' crutch. I mean, their top speed is so bad because they're porpoising so bad. Once they figure that sh- stuff out, it's like, all right, now they're good. They have no excuse. Now they have no excuse. They just have to execute on race day and in qualifying. It's like, okay. Why are we then counting Hamilton out and already saying he's not going to win again? Like, really? Oh, Hamilton has one season where his best finish is like third and everybody throws a freaking throw x x all like it's crazy like it's the end of the world like he still has a podium like <laughs> he's clearly still performing at a high level people like what are we uh ah uh, formula one tribalism is ridiculous next question because i'm gonna lose my mind with that if i keep going on oh i'm gonna lose my mind with this one with road america losing its nascar cup date if kansas speedway retains two dates in 2023 the system of who gets dates is broken do you upshift or downship Josh? yes i, I knew i knew exactly what you were gonna say yeah i upshift 
look, look, Kansas Speedway puts on some great racing, but it's struggling to get fans in the stands for both races. For whatever reason that would be, they're struggling. Road America, Road America, I, I think I said this on this show a few weeks ago. If you had a one-lap bicycle race, they'd sell out. People would go out there to watch it because Road America has its own cult following. And to lose that, I felt, and you say, well, Canada's going to keep two dates. I feel like you're saying, okay, well, then if you bring out fans, we still, it's still guarantee of keeping a date then. Whereas we said like a year ago or a year and a half ago, if you don't bring fans, you're not going to keep the date. So I feel like, yes, the system is broken. Rob, we said it on, I don't know if we said it on the show, but there was kind of, we were going through a scenario that may have included rumors or not, where I said, well, maybe a Richmond date goes to Memphis, a Kansas date goes to Iowa, and um, forget the other track, a Darlington date may go to Milwaukee or something like that. You know, that would have been fantastic in my mind to gain Memphis, Milwaukee, and Iowa all in the cup schedule. Kansas doesn't deserve two dates. Plain and simple. And I would love to see the Kansas State in the spring shift to Iowa. Kansas can keep its playoff date. I feel like that's a really good playoff track. It, it produces good racing. But the stands are just not full. So, yes. If I look at the 2023 Cup schedule and Kansas has two dates, the system is broken. You know, it's pretty obvious the system is broken if road america loses a date despite having incredible attendance and doing well financially for the track doing well tv ratings wise just i mean i'm i'm just it just doesn't bode well it doesn't it and and, and i think it proves still too that nascar NASCAR is willing to take risks. NASCAR is willing to take way more risks than now, probably than they ever have been in in history. What 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 you got to say? I was gonna say this whole Chicago Road America movie is the most Brian France move we've seen in a long time. I wouldn't say that as far. Brian France made a lot of terrible decisions, and a lot of those decisions were more, were more money driven. This, That's what this is, this is money driven, but not. This is those were money driven because those were money driven for different reasons. Okay, it's still NASCAR money was going reason. through a huge boom, and Brian France was capitalizing on it and basically saying we're going to. Take away what make NASCAR special, and we're going to give it to bigger cities. You know, we're going to put Labor Day weekend in California now. You know, we're going to have two Texas dates, and we're not going to go to Rockingham. You know what I mean? But was that not Road America? You had this community thing. The fans were coming out, had great racing. Was that not what made NASCAR great? I mean, you're right. You're okay. I see. I see where you're coming from. It just to me, it seems different. This is a this is an attempt. Apparently, I will say it's not. It's not the same. But it, to me, it, it's the most Brian France move we've seen, especially since his exodus. Yeah, 
well, I, I see where you're saying. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I'm not saying you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I think you're right. It's just, to me, this seems, this seems more like a, a risk to try and make. This is a risk in the same regard as moving the Clash to the Coliseum. It was a risk. You know, it was potentially money driven. Yes, it was potentially a different idea. Yes, but it was, it was the idea of NASCAR taking itself. That's, that's you're. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, right. I, you're right. It's NASCAR taking itself and saying, okay, instead of building a track in somewhere near the people, we're literally bringing the track to the people. This is what this is. This this is what this is. Not to say that like. Road America was not, again, Road America was the right track. Road America was the right track for a July 4th weekend. It was just perfect. I'm not happy about this in the same regard. But it, it, it's, I feel like it's different. It's, it's just a little bit different to me. It feels different. But I see where you're saying in that it's kind of the same. But Road America didn't have that history yet. It had only hosted two cup races. Three, technically. Three. Okay. Well, two modern era cup two modern ones. Yeah. Sorry. And so it didn't. It wasn't like as this. I felt like this was a situation of where okay, well, what's a track that we can remove that doesn't have a history with us yet? You know. And into that regard, and and the one that they can control, one that they can. You they know, can, but, but they but that was a NASCAR date, and Kansas is a NASCAR track. Right. They didn't want to do it with Kansas, so they chose Road America for whatever yeah. reason. The, well, I will feel better, again, not to interrupt you, but I will feel better about this whole thing is if Kansas does lose a date to a, to a track that is a new market, you know, or that is bringing, you know, like if you go to Memphis, okay, well, the Memphis and Arkansas people will feel better. If we would go to Iowa after this, we'll talk about here in a second, this major successful Iowa weekend, um, or maybe they go to Milwaukee with it. As crazy that would be, but you know, it, it, but I, I the reason I got shifted on it was the system would be broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think the system already is broken because it proves that it doesn't matter how well well attended the race is. Anything, anything, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't matter how well attended or how poorly attended it is. NASCAR is just going to make whatever decisions that they want. At the end of the day, they hold all with of the cars their, with at least their tracks, with yeah. the, especially with their tracks and the tracks that they can move around. And yeah. it's bummer. All right. Uh, oh boy, let's get me really fired up. If Jamie Chadwick doesn't find a ride in F three or better in twenty twenty three, European single seater racing has a bigger issue on their hands than simply finding sponsorship for female drivers. Upshift this or downshift in this, Josh. I'm going to yield my time to you. Oh boy! Whatever because whatever, whatever you say, I'm going to agree with. This is a first for the show, by the way, folks. All right. Well, then I'll just straight up say it. Uh, the fact of the matter is, as of right now, the W Series is a complete failure, and it is still a complete failure because you see Jamie Chadwick going out there every single week at basically just dominating and dominating and dominating and not moving up, not being able to move up due to sponsorship issues or what have you, nobody being able to take. But now, now we find out through Adam Stern, I guess, last week, now we find out, oh, hey, all of these companies are really into the W Series. They really want to get into the series. Oh, boy, we really like this. Okay, well, um, they're going to get into the series, 
but are they going to actually help the women progress or are they just getting into the series to virtue signal? You know, that's what, I, what I'm really wanting, wondering. You know, are they just getting in the series to virtue signal because it's an all-female series or are they actually trying to help these women progress up through the ranks? Because that's what I that's what I need to wonder. And it doesn't seem like, it, it seems definitely like it's more of a virtue signaling than actually getting in and saying, hey, we're going to sponsor Jamie Chadwick and we're going to make sure that she has a fully funded F3 ride next year with Prema. Uh, they're not going to do that. They're going to sponsor the series and say, well, we sponsor the only fem- all-female racing series and wear that as a badge of honor as if it's something to matter. But they're not going to actually invest anything into their career, into the careers of the drivers. That's they're not going to do that. And that's what's really bugging me. And Pippa Mann brought up that same point, and she was talking about it, and she's absolutely right as someone. I mean, she's someone who, if she was racing now as opposed to, like, when she got her start, you know, I'm sure she'd be like, all right, I'm going to try and take these opportunities. She probably wouldn't like the W Series even then, but if it offered her opportunities to progress her career, I'm absolutely certain she'd take it, like a lot of the women in the W Series are are doing. They're in the series with the promise that we might get to F1, we might get to F2, we might get to drive sports cars, but instead they're basically being trapped in this purgatory hell that is the W series and not being able to advance or evolve. And then there's these people on Twitter who go all off and say, oh, well, Chadwick, she didn't do that great in Formula Regional, so she shouldn't probably be in there. Or, oh, the quality of the driver isn't all that good. When there's freaking drivers out there like Alessio Deletta, there's freaking Lord, Maha- Mor- Lord Mahavir, there's freaking, we had Sergio Canavases in the freaking series for Lord knows how long. Johnny Cachado was driving all over the track and going crazy everywhere every freaking weekend in Formula 2 and stuff. And and, and we're sitting here worried that the reigning W Series champion is going to lower the quality of the driver field? Like, yeah. really? Yeah, is that what we're worried about? That we have bigger we have bigger worries than that. If Chadwick goes out there and barely finishes in the points every seat every weekend and barely finishes in the top 20 in formula three. I don't think it's going to hurt anything because, you know, there's going to be drivers that are going to be finishing below her anyway. You know what I mean? It it just blows my mind. It blows my mind that we're still doing this. The W series, it continues to put on this facade to me, it just continues to put on this facade that it's it's trying to help promote women. When no, it's you're you're obviously segregating racing. You're obviously starting this segregation of racing because these sponsors that are getting involved here are not going to sponsor Chadwick and F three. If they sponsor Chadwick and F three next year, great. That means they're doing their job. But it's not likely that that's going to happen. What's that, Josh? What you got to say? I was just going to say that the reason they might want to and they probably want to sponsor the entire series, is that while it may not be, well, it could be, but it may not be cheaper, the exposure will be bigger because it's sponsoring the whole series than this. So it's just... It's virtue signaling. Yeah, it's virtue signaling. It's absolutely, it's what's the biggest problem in the world right now is virtue signaling. So that right there, it the promise that we saw... Like a, what we heard a little while, like a few months ago, it's just not coming to fruition. If this, what I will say here before, if you have anything else to say, is that if the W Series champion doesn't have a guaranteed scholarship ride to a F three 
see the following season, there's no point in racing this championship because it is absolutely, it's just becoming a, a, a virtue signaling series that, hey, these women racers were giving them a chance to, to win a championship. Are you? Are you though? Really? And it, it gets me really mad when, you know, people are like, oh, but they don't have the opportunities to race against the men. And yeah, because you're blocking them from that. Yeah. You're you're taking you're 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 taking this this idea of this all women series and promising them these opportunities and then just trapping them there. You're not actually helping them at all. You're basically just trapping them in this championship and they can't get out. It it really it really bothers me. It just it it makes me sad as a race fan and as someone who grew up watching IndyCar races with five women competing, you know, and sitting here and being like, it's it's not like they can't do it. They've done it. Look at Danica Patrick. Look at Simona De Silvestro. Look at Anna Beatriz. Look at I mean, not just IndyCar, but in other respective disciplines, they've been very very good. I mean, Tatiana Calderon has been excellent in sports cars, but, oh, she didn't do so great in F2. Yeah, but thank God she was in F2 so she could get the opportunities in sports cars and in indie cars that she has. Chadwick's not getting any opportunities in anything because she's stuck in this perpetual purgatory that is the W Series when she should be there and getting sponsorship from people saying, hey, we want to take you IndyCar race. Hey, we want to take you to Lamar. Hey, we want to take you to F3. That's what should be happening, and, and, and that's not happening. And it, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous to me because this, the, it feels like to me that the W Series is perpetuating the stereotype that women can't compete or can't race against the men when I literally grew up over the last 20 years seeing that be proven as false yep. right before my eyes. Like, yep. I've seen women race. I've seen them succeed. Look at Danica Patrick's Indy 500's results and sit here and tell me they can't do it. I, I, I don't know what more people want, want out of this. I, I don't know what more I, I can do. I, I'm just getting so frustrated. It's getting me to the point where I want to support the W Series because I want to believe in that goal of, of progressing women through the ranks of racing and giving them the opportunities that they wouldn't normally have but it's getting harder and harder to support something that's very clearly just being used to segregate racing into genders. And I'm not okay with that. And I firmly believe that the segregation of the sexes in racing brings the sport back several years because we're one of the few sports in the entire world, if not the only sport that can say we are the only sport that can say this is men and women competing together on an equal playing field at the same time. There's no other sport in the world that I know of that can say that. I mean, tennis, maybe, with mixed doubles. Maybe tennis. I would say tennis is probably the, the second best. I would say tennis with mixed doubles is probably the closest you'll ever get. Right. Yeah. And here we are in racing being able to say that, and it just, I mean, that, that shouldn't be the, that should be the case. It, it just should not be the case. We should be helping these women actually progress their careers and get to where they want to be. Even if it's not formula one, they should be able to have opportunities in sports cars. They should be able to have opportunities in super formula. They should be able to like, go to supercars in Australia and have a career. They should be able to come over here to IndyCar, or they should be able to m- go to Indy lights and have a career in Indy lights. 
you know, the W Series champion could say, hey, I'm not into F1 or I don't think I can make it in F1 or I don't really want to. I'm going to go to Indy Lights and try my hand at IndyCar instead. You know, that should be a thing that should be able to happen. And it's not. It's not. And that's that's just frustrating me to no end. Okay. I'm going to move on here and more. Josh, I'm just this controversy, controversy, controversy. This next question is going to boil my boil my blood. The best racing ticket at Indianapolis would be if the IndyCar series raced on the road course before the Cup series on the Indianapolis Oval on the same day. Do you upshift or downshift that, Josh? I think it makes that Sunday ticket more valuable, more desired if you did that instead of having two races on Saturday and a single race on Sunday. That's kind of why I designed the question, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, I believe the Cup Series belongs on the Oval, but you're not going to race the IndyCar Series twice on the Oval, right? That makes no sense. I hope that never happens. Um, And, it, and I could even twist it, the state. It did, though, it, in the early... Okay, modern day, it's not going to happen. Okay. Modern day, it's not going to happen. Um, I would... I would even say maybe it would be the better ticket because I think tradition is just slowly dwindling away. They'd run the cup race at noon and then have a evening to darker race on the road course for, Indy, for the IndyCar series to run a little bit of lit up road course. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. I think that you might be pipe dreaming. I know I'm pipe dreaming, but I'm just saying I think the two cars there, the two races on Sunday would be better instead of having two on Saturday. So that would be the more desirable ticket. You get the most best of IndyCar and Cup because the oval superior for Cup series. So I'll upshift and yield the rest of my time or the yield more time to you. Personally, I'm going to honestly downshift this. And the reason why I'm going to downshift this is because uh, I think that the way it is right now, I actually like the Xfinity series on the road course and the IndyCar series on the road course. I think I don't think they need to move the IndyCar series to the, the Sunday. I think they should keep it at, with the Xfinity series. But definitely moving the Brickyard back to the Oval would make it a big deal again, I think, because you'd have that kind of lead in. It'd be like a big celebration on Saturday of NASCAR and IndyCar and road racing and all this fun stuff. And then it would be like, all right, but then we're going to the Brickyard. Like, honestly, I'm excited for this weekend. I wish the Brickyard was on the Oval, but I'm excited for this weekend because of obviously the truck race being back. Yeah. Uh, and that definitely gives me a little bit of nostalgia because I was I always got hyped for Brickyard weekend by the truck race. You know, the truck race got me hyped for Brickyard weekend and that and everything and then i like to you know on saturday i like to go out and if if i wasn't going to the race i like to at least go to practice or qualifying and and see that stuff um and see the brickyard practice qualifying stuff like that so that definitely gets me really big but i i think now with the trucks being back at irp i really do feel like there's that opportunity like i don't i again i, I think the stock cars on the road course at ims has a place and that yeah, place is in the Xfinity series. I agree, one hundred percent. I agree. It it that place is in the Xfinity series. I think that's it's a perfect Xfinity race, and to run it with because the Xfinity series is like this old school kind of kind of deal, 
Um, and I understand a lot of people would say, oh, they should be back at IRP too. They should be back at IRP too. But I do like the idea of stock cars on that road course. Okay. I, I hate to be that guy, but I, I just, I do. I think it's interesting. I think it's different. I think it's unique. And, but I just don't like seeing the cup series there. I like the cup race to be the Brickyard 400 on the oval on Sunday at ideally one thirty, but probably it'll probably be about an hour later than that. Let's be honest, but hopefully it's not three thirty again. Good Lord. Oh my gosh. Why did they start that race at three thirty? Anyway, um, point is I, that's where I'm thinking. I think Xfinity and 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 IndyCar on Saturday makes it a big because it's a big event. Then you've got four, you got three straight days of all different kinds of racing. You got a short track race with the Arca and the trucks. You've got uh, a road course race with the Xfinity series. You've got an IndyCar race uh, on the road course, and then you've got the big Cup series race. I just think, to me personally, that's the ideal Brickyard weekend for me right now. I think they've got a really great thing going with this NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader. I don't want them to mess this up. I just think that this that's getting hype for that, getting hype around the truck race, getting hype around this Xfinity race, and that IndyCar race will help build hype for the Brickyard. I think it will. I really think it should because you've got all of these... Pri- and not to say that IndyCar... I know IndyCar doesn't want to be like this sideshow to nascar i understand that but this whole weekend should be a celebration of racing in indiana and that's what i feel like we're leaning towards is we're celebrating racing's history here in indiana the truck series at irp the indycar series the xfinity series the the cup series everything's coming here and then you have the bc39 you know everything is right there it's a big celebration and that's how it should be and I just don't think they should mess that up personally. That's that's my opinion. The only thing that should be changed is the Brickyard should be on the Oval again. And based upon what we saw this this uh, weekend at Pocono, I really, really hope that it is. Because those were some very fun restarts, very fun racing overall at Pocono that we saw today. I'm talking about this now because we're almost done. Um, really fun stuff at Pocono today. And it just, watching Pocono just made my mouth water and my lips water and just be like, dude, oh, if only we were seeing this again next week at the Brickyard. It would have been so fun to to see some of these cars probably be able to go three wide into some of those corners again. Like they used to be able to with the old car, the Gen 4, where they would, or the COY that I prefer to call it. When you, you could, you would see on restarts, these guys go three wide and not wreck. And it was like, whoa, you would never see that anywhere else in indianapolis except in a stock car race at indian and and that's what made it it fun and entertaining and special and when that went away and it became this one single groove racetrack that's that's kind of where i think the magic of the brickyard kind of died was that you know the thing that made it cool was yeah they were going slower but they were doing things on parts of the track that typically you could not do you were running too wide you were running three wide in some cases through the corners especially in restarts you couldn't do that with the Gen 6 car just because of how it was and just because of how the tire was and how everything went. Now seeing Pocono, seeing these th- like three wide through the tunnel turn. I'm like, dude, if you go three wide through the tunnel turn with no problem, you could probably do the same thing in Indianapolis with no problem too. So I'm just jealous. I'm, I'm just jealous that people at Pocono got to see what us people here for the Brickyard should get 
should be able to see, but instead we're stuck watching some road course race that's either going to be incredibly boring or absolutely chaotic and no in between. <laughs> All right, Josh, uh, second to last question here. Will the success of the IndyCar doubleheader weekend at Iowa lead to a return of a national level NASCAR series to the track, including the cup series? How do you shift on that? Um, you know, I, I, I just don't, I just don't, no, I don't know. I want to upshift my heart, upshift, but I don't know even know how how to upshift with my brain. I feel like I just want to throw it in a neutral. I feel like what Hy-Vee did should should really just open up a lot of eyes to see that look. This is what you can do with certain tracks. If not every track have these type of employee appreciation deals or or if it's just a cool sweet experience put on by the corporate sponsor of the race corporate sponsors of the race with the track so i i, I would like to think maybe down the road that we look at this this double head a weekend at iowa as a new standard you know something that we look like like this this was a trendsetter um i hope it does um iowa should not be a track that is solely an IndyCar track lease facility that ARCA happens to go to. Um, it absolutely should have, it should have at the very least an Xfinity and truck date. should have an Xfinity truck ARCA triple header at the very least, in my opinion. Um, but I would love to see the Cup Series go there, and I'd love to see IndyCar continue to go there for um, many years to come, if not forever. So um, I, I'm going to, for my heart, I'm going to upshift, but for my brain, I got thrown in the neutral because I just, I just don't know. I just, I, I can't make up my mind on that one. From what I've seen and from what I understand, this weekend was a massive success. Um, and a lot of that came from Hy-Vee. Uh, and if it wasn't for Hy-Vee, I don't think this race would have been a success. You talked about the ARCA race. Well, let's look at, you know, how to promote a race and how not to promote a race. Oh, wow. The ARCA yeah. race had maybe 50 people in the stands. The IndyCar race managed to sell out two straight days. It also doesn't help that your track has zero social media. Oh, that that hurts. Well, no, actually, hey, 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 hey. The uh, official IndyCar weekend at Iowa, the like the the race weekend Twitter account was very active. The Iowa. Well, I know, I know, and it's that's still not acceptable in 2022. But for the record, they there was they some there social was. media account out there actually promoting the race, not the oh. actual track account, but some account. But no, it, it it looked incredible. I mean, on Sunday, I, I it looked like there was a bigger crowd there on Sunday than there was Saturday. And on Saturday, I thought that was the biggest crowd I'd seen at Iowa in a couple of years, yeah, at least, yeah, um, several years at least. And so when I watched tuned in on Sunday again and saw that the crowd looked even bigger, I was like, "Holy cow!" Like I already, I didn't think they could beat the Saturday crowd, and they did. And I was like, "Wow, dude, that's fantastic!" Because um, it looked like the Saturday crowd, because well, if this could have been a lot of heat, but it looked like the Saturday crowd was more in like the covered areas and the shaded areas. Uh, and so I think that probably helped like the Sunday be, it being a little bit cooler, yeah. you know, more people were like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll go sit in the grandstand. So it looked bigger, but definitely it looked like it was a sellout both days. Um, yeah. I mean, 40,000 people were there total. They were estimated about 40,000 crowd each day. I mean, that's a great crowd. That's, I was the first team that's going to hold about 25. That's incredible. 
I mean, yeah. really, it's it's incredible. It, you're right. It absolutely it, it shows there. You know, the indie star. Because now with my new job being a producer, I a lot of the stories that Nathan writes, I I get to proofread, copy edit, and and put on social media, and that's a lot of uh, some of my job. Not all of it, but some of my job now. Um, and uh, I was reading the story that he did on just everything that Hy-Vee was doing to make sure that this race was a success and their whole, just all of the money that they were spending and how passionate they were about IndyCar and, and, and having all of like how big of fans they were and being like, okay, well thinking about what they would want if they were fans coming to the racetrack. Like it seemed like that's how they were approaching this. And, and one of those things that I looked at, I was like, that's a really great idea. They said, okay, well, we're a grocery store. What if we had a pop-up grocery store out by the camping lots? And they did that. They put a pop-up grocery store in basically like, what, a little like storage unit pod and put it out by the camping units. I was like, that's genius. Not only did it make them money from a corporate standpoint, but it literally brought their product straight to the people. Yeah. I mean, that is a ge- that's genius marketing. And it's fulfilled a need, too, because that people coming to the track camping, if they forgot anything or if they were hungry they or they needed an extra ingredient, they could literally just walk over to this pop-up grocery store and put it in their cart and, and buy it and go home and go back to their – like, that's genius. You've, you've fulfilled a need that people never thought to fulfill before. And it, it helped because they are a grocery store chain and they were able to do that. You know, I'm sure if you're like – any other corporate entity, you probably can't do that. Um, well, but, so if you can't do that, you got to find a way to market your product right. to the fans that are there and either sell or get them to inquire about it. Right. Uh, but it just seemed like overall it was like, wow, you know, this is – you could tell that Hy-Vee wanted to make this thing a big deal. And, and it, it, it shows that – in order to make money, you really do have to spend money. And right. it just seems like a lot of these promoters, they don't they are so hesitant to spend money because they don't know what the what the profit levels are gonna come. Are they gonna be able to break even? What are they gonna do? You know, they don't wanna spend more money and then be like, Oh, it wasn't that big of a success. And Hyvie basically came in and was like, dude, we took a track in the middle of, you know, deliverance Iowa and basically said, Okay. Let's pack this place to the top, to the brim for two days by basically promoting it the heck out of it and having things people want to do and offering them things that they wouldn't normally have and giving them incentives to come and and telling everybody about it on social media and billboards and radio ads, TV ads, all this stuff, putting money into it. And then all of a sudden it looks like I think they're going to actually make a return on this. And and here's the thing too, I kind of, I, I, I might hinted on this earlier, but you know, we used to have all these sponsors that would buy tickets to races and disperse them out. And I feel like we just found a little new niche for racing. Sponsor a race, and you make it that employee appreciation event where you hand out like, hey, or just just put them in like, hey, uh, apply to bring your family out here for the weekend. And here's tickets all all weekend long as a thank you. You're spending more money, but you but it's a part of that happiness. But find a way to sell your product, to maybe make some of that money back too. I think High V just knocked it out of the park, one hundred percent. 
and um, I love it. I, I, I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. So I hope it comes back. Like I said, I hope it, I hope it with my heart. It, it just shows that, like, it doesn't matter what track we're talking about. And this is another thing that you look at the success of this. This is an IndyCar oval race. This is something that we're told, oh, people don't show up to. Nobody wants to see this kind of racing. Nobody wants to watch this. And then it's like, oh, you just sold out Iowa Speedway for two straight days. Okay, so you sell out Iowa Speedway for two straight days. I bet you you could probably get that same amount of people to come out to Michigan if you just promoted it right. You could probably get that same amount of people to go out to Kentucky if you just promoted it right. You know what I mean? These are There's all these racetracks that are just sitting here waiting to be used by IndyCar, and Roger Penske rented out Iowa Speedway. This was not a situation where Iowa Speedway, and which is owned by NASCAR, came to IndyCar and said, hey, we want to have a race. Roger Penske had to go put his own money and rent out that space and then high v footed the bill for the rest. But basically, this is saying is IndyCar oval racing can work, and we've seen it, and I've said it. I love IndyCar oval racing. That's why this was these these last two races were must watches for me because I don't get to see this very often. Okay, and I took advantage of it, or, or I didn't appreciate it enough when I was a kid, and now that it's so scarce, I'm I'm having to just embrace it as much as I can and just enjoy it. So like there was, I put my phone away. Like if you, I don't know if most people noticed, but like I did not tweet much during either race just because I just wanted to sit back and enjoy it. I didn't want to accidentally be on my phone and get distracted and miss some part of the race. I just wanted to sit back and enjoy this IndyCar oval race because I know I'm not going to get very many of them. Um, and and so this is, but this is an example. If NASCAR wants to make Iowa Speedway work, they're going to have to promote it in the same regard that hy did. You know, that's just what's going to have to happen. I mean, and, and, and it seems like they could make anything work because look at the clash. Look at the, the Chicago street race. I already saw advertisements on TV for the Chicago street race, like for a race that's 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 about a year away, a little under a year away. I'm already seeing advertisements for that. It seems like to me NASCAR gets that in the same regard that hy got it. And they're willing to do it. So if NASCAR wants to make Iowa Speedway work, it's very obvious that they can. And to that counterpoint, if IndyCar wants really wants more ovals, they need to find more partners like Hy-Vee that are willing to put up that kind of money. Because then it's very clear that you can go to basically any oval you want as long as you have a promoter that will pack the stands and actually give fans something they're worth. You know, I'm the kind of person who I would go to Michigan even if it was barely ever told if IndyCar announced they came back to Michigan and didn't tell anybody except for their loyal IndyCar fans yeah I'd probably be the only one there and I wouldn't care but it would suck I'd prefer to be in a packed grandstand knowing that everybody else is going to be here enjoying exactly what I enjoy and exactly what I like and what I remember and and experiencing that for the first time just like I did in 2005 um all right let's move on to the last Last question here. This should relatively be open and shut. I don't. Uh, the last question here. Ferrari and Charles Leclerc do not win the 2022 Constructor or Driver Championship. Do you upshift to downshift, Josh? Upshift. They cannot get a car to work. They also have horrible pit strategy. And, um, I mean, I don't know. I, and I'm, also, I'm honestly, even before today, I'm like, I didn't have much faith in Charles Leclerc and his decision-making and driving capable. He's capable of doing it, but I just think he's just makes too he's mistake-prone. So I upshift. They don't win it. They don't win either. This is going to Red Bull. They're literally shooting themselves in the foot every single weekend. Yes. 
they've they've been gifted the fastest car. They've been gifted probably two of the best up and coming drivers of their generation, and they're just blowing it every single opportunity they have. Benotto does not return in twenty three. I'm calling that right now. I I I just to get blown away by Verstappen and Perez when they don't even have the fastest cars, and then get upsurped by Hamilton and Russell, who clearly don't have the fastest cars, is just embarrassing. Yeah. It's it's embarrassing. If you're a Ferrari fan, that Mamma Mia uh, picture that keeps getting removed from Facebook of the Italian chef putting a, a thing of pasta in a gun capsule <laughs> in, in, the, in the gun. It's so, it's so wrong, but it makes me laugh so hard. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not. It's not happening, though, man. Ferrari. Uh, it's unless something changes here after the summer break. It's not happening. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Let's talk about the weekend wrap up. Uh, the SRX series concluded at Sharon Speedway, and I I hate myself for this because I took a date night out at the Speedrome instead of watching uh, the Battle of the Blaney's, and I feel so bad about it. But I don't. I bad. I feel bad, but I don't. You know, it's like. I love spending time with my fiance. You know, I love spending time with her at a racetrack, but I also miss the battle of the Blaney's. So kind of like I did the right thing. I did the right thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) he's trying to defend himself on this. Yes. It's completely fine to do that. You're good. Okay. Um, but, uh, Chase Elliott won the race and then Marco Andretti won the championship. I think that's Marco's first title since like, (laughs) He was a youngin. Yeah, a <laughs> And he didn't win a race either. He didn't need to win a race to win the title either. You don't have to win a race to win a title, man. Don't have to. Six races. Who needs? Who needs to win to to win the title? Uber consistent. But you know what? That is really impressive, though, because I think that hopefully a lot of people were talking about this, and we were talking about this on the show last week. I would hope that that would help Marco's opportunities into NASCAR. Because yeah. I don't think Marco is should, I think Marco's time as an IndyCar driver might be done, but by no means should his driving career be over. He's still plenty young. He's still plenty talented. His name's still Andretti for the love of all that is good. I mean, he can get stuff done. If John could have success in 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 uh, NASCAR, I think Marco can too. And I think Marco is. I mean, no offense to the late John Andretti. I think Marco might have a little bit more talent in his in his, uh, in his pool than John did. Let let's see how Marco does in NASCAR first before we start saying that, because because okay. John wasn't awful in IndyCar, it, neither was Marco. But I don't I, know. I'm just John has NASCAR wins. Marco's Marco doesn't yet. If Marco gets a NASCAR win, then then we can talk about that. But fair enough. Let's let's see what happens there. Um, yeah, Jamie Chadwick won another W Series race. You didn't need to know about that. I already went on my rant. I mean, good for Jamie. Not. Not knocking her anything. It's just a shame that literally no one else has any opportunities. She's not when getting beat when she shouldn't be beat. That's true. I mean, she's <laughs> that's the hey, she's beating the competition. It's like okay, we we saw this. We know she's the best driver in there. She shouldn't be in the series anymore. Yeah, like, come on, come on. Who won? Who finished second? That that's probably more equivalent that's, to what we would have really. We're going to list from now on. We're not going to list the winner. We're just gonna let you. We should list the winner and the second place finish. Yeah. So Chadwick won. Here's who finished second. Yeah. Uh, and, and by how much? <laughs> yeah. Um, Formula Two was a Paul Ricard. Uh, Liam Lawson won race one. 
Ayumu Iwasa won race two, won race two for his first F2 victory, and that was a big shame. Logan Sargent has had a clutch failure after starting on the pole for the feature race, and that dropped him from second to third in the points. Big, just a big bummer there, but he still leads the Rookie of the Year points, so he could at least get, you know, Logan still got an opportunity to get Rookie of the Year, even if he doesn't, you know, finish second or first in the championship. Um, he still got he's still got that opportunity, so that's good. Uh, Formula One at Paul Ricard, the French Grand Prix was won by Max Verstappen after Charles Leclerc crashed. And, nope. you know, allowed Max to inherit the race win. Yeah. Um, the IndyCar race at Iowa, the 250-lap race on Saturday, was won by Joseph Newgarden, absolutely dominated by him. Could have been dominated by Jimmy Johnson had uh, cautions not flown when they did. Um, old Jim Jam was on a bit of a different strategy, and he was on fast. He was on newer tires when everyone else was on older tires. And then when everyone else was on newer tires, he was on older tires. But man, when he he would get everybody a lap down, and then he would pit, and he it would he would still be like fifth or in the top ten when he came out. And it was like, wow, what's that? I just want to say, uh, Jenna Fryer did tweet a, an uh, an update um, that basically says that New Garden is being held overnight for observation, and then he will be reevaluated by IndyCar medical staff on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. I had just seen that too, but. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I hadn't mentioned that yet. But you're right, Joseph Newgarden still. We're thinking of him, hoping that he'll be okay. He should be okay. Just probably, hopefully, just a bump on the head, right? Um, hopefully. Uh, and then the 300 lap Saturday race that featured Newgarden having a suspension failure, clearly while leading the race. This was so crazy. I, 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 I was watching, and and I. So I'm two screened in this race because I'm watching NASCAR Pocono on one screen. I'm watching IndyCar race on the other. And they go out a way to schedule races, right? Exactly. Uh, and, and so they in the IndyCar race goes to a side by side commercial, and when they do that, I like I turn my head over, I look my eyes over at the NASCAR race, right? Because I'm gonna, I'm like, okay, well, IndyCar's commercial, I'll start watching, looking at NASCAR, and then all of a sudden, like out of the corner of my eye, I see like the I see the ticker go yellow, and I'm like on the IndyCar race, I'm like, oh, there's a crash, and I was like, oh my god, is that New Garden? I just like freaked out. I was like, the leader just crashed. And what's crazy to me is, and this, Josh, I'm not going to say it, my 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 uh, sixth sense picked up, but um, I thought to myself, maybe about 20 laps prior to that, I was like, dude, New Garden's going to win this race as, uh, uh, as long as he doesn't crash. And now I hate, I hate it. This this it's not the first time I've done that, Josh. What not is the wrong first with time me? You've done that? No, we've discussed it on the show. You have a weird superpower. And that freaked me out. That really freaked me out because as soon as soon as I saw him getting out of this car, I was like, "Did I do that? Did yeah. me, me thinking like twenty laps ago, dude? He's gonna win this race as long as he doesn't crash. Did that like jinx him to crash? One hundred percent. Oh goodness gracious. Oh. Lord, but yeah, no, as soon as it changed the whole complex of the race for a minute, at least I thought it was going to, until I realized that, oh, Pato's the second best car, so the best car is out of the race, the second best car is going to probably win the race, right? And yeah, yeah that's, that pretty much happened. But uh, hey, old Jim Jam, Jimmy Johnson, led uh, more laps, uh, led, led some laps on Saturday, had his, easily his best IndyCar weekend results. Oh, yeah. What did, finish, uh, what did he finish on Saturday? Eighth or ninth? He, I thought he was ninth, but 
I was reading other places that he'd fallen to 11th on the last couple of laps. I'd have to double check that. I thought he, I thought timing and scoring gave him ninth at the end of the race, but then I saw a tweet saying he was 11th. So I was not fully certain. Well, let's see what racing references because I will. I mean, because his tires completely fell off in that first race. Like the last couple of laps, his tires just were gone. It was a miracle. Those race results on there have not been updated. Hi V has him on IndyCar.com has him 11th. Okay. So I guess he did fall to 11th. I guess his tires just because he was he was ninth with like two to go. Yeah. He was ninth with like two to go. I I don't know how he lost two spots in the span of that. Like, I mean, well, obviously, yeah, the tires, but like, man, that tire deck was crazy both days tire deck was just insane and and you could really see it on on that saturday when johnson was on that off strategy where he was just carving through the field going high low middle anywhere he wanted and nobody could defend because his tires were like 20 30 laps fresher than theirs yeah it's like man i loved i loved it, it was a fun race it was a fun race um, the Arca series was in Pocono. Taylor Gray won that race. It was a race. I watched it. It was awful. Arca races awful. at Pocono right now are just a race. I'm telling you, if they could find a way to run that race on some sort of road course, <laughs> that would be fantastic. The Pocono road. I know there are is a there, Pocono there, road. Yeah, course. I mean, they, it needs some updating. But if you could yeah. run that Arca, that Arca race on the road course, maybe even the truck race too. That would be great. Now, no, because we're going to get to the truck race. I have some comments. I know the, the, tr- I know the truck race was good. I know the truck race was good. The truck race was really good when it was green. When they could actually complete some laps under green, it was really great racing. It was really fun. You had really close side-by-side racing. There were trucks just, I mean, sure, like, it was. it would be first and second, and then three seconds would separate, like, third, fourth, and fifth, and then... Two more seconds would separate, like six and seven. But I didn't hate that, but I didn't hate that much. I just appreciated the fact that you had those small packs of cars all racing for position. It wasn't like one car, then a second back, it was another car, then two seconds back, it was another car. It was like you had all of these trucks like in these distinct packs all racing with each other. And it was really fun to see how the draft was taking place, you know, the slingshot moves that were being made. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, it's, it's one of those reasons why I've not, I didn't like when Xfinity went to Pocono. I I didn't mind when the trucks went there because I did like how the trucks race Pocono. I felt like the way that the trucks are and the way that the trucks drive, I felt like that was more indicative for a better race at Pocono than the Xfinity series was. And I think personally, in my opinion, I think I've been more or less correct on that. Um, I found myself to be to enjoy the truck races of Pocono more so than the Xfinity series. I don't think the Xfinity series ever should have gone to Pocono. I think it should have, they should have stayed at that being an off weekend or for them going to a standalone weekend truck series. I didn't hate just because simply, I think they're more suited for a type of race like that, like uh, the truck series at Michigan, for example, great race. I mean, the truck series can go to these big ovals and put on some fun races like Pocono, like Michigan, whereas the Xfinity series can't really do that. They would be more 
they would probably be better at like a short track or a road course or something during that weekend. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. So not not hating trucks at Pocono. Think there's a place for them, but definitely Xfinity needs to start exploring ways to leave Pocono because that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but man, it they shouldn't be there. Dude. They just should. Trucks, trucks put on a good show. Chandler Smith won a fun race. I mean, that was a fun, engaging race when it was green. When all, we had all those, the first two stages, I really couldn't pay attention. But once that, that third stage kicked in, they started going green, basically. I was like, dude, this is some fun racing. This is good stuff. This is great stuff. And not to say that the Xfinity race was bad. It was still a fun battle between Gregson and Ty Gibbs at the end. It was fun, good, clean racing, which is something that I did not expect to say about either of those drivers. I definitely did not expect to ever say that about either Gregson or Ty Gibbs in an Xfinity race. I fully expected. I they both needed to have a clean <laughs> clean. I fully expected Gibbs to just send it into like the tunnel turn and just wreck him. I fully expected it. And, and when it didn't point. happen, I, I honestly have to say that my jaw was kind of on the floor. I was yeah. like, wow, he raced him clean. I can't believe that. When I eventually, when I eventually saw the end of the race because of various reasons that I won't delve into, uh, because it's just going to end up in a rant. Um, yeah, that last lap was entertaining. That battle was entertaining, and uh, I was happy to see both cars make it around. Uh, the Cup Series race was won by Denny Hamlin until it wasn't. He was disqualified in post-race, as was Kyle Busch, the second-place finisher, meaning Chase Elliott is now the winner at Pocono. Which becomes the first driver in modern history, at least, maybe even yes. NASCAR history, to no, win a race um, without leading a lap. I can't remember... Now, I'm finding that um, you have to, not in the modern era, but in the 50s, there was a race in NASCAR where... Two drivers um, were good and the guy won? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that third place guy led a lap or not, but... I did know that there was a race like where where, uh, Herb Thomas won, I think, where the top two guys were disqualified. Probably. I yeah. can't remember. You might be right. You're probably right. Yeah. But yeah, that's um, quite an interesting turn of events there. It's interesting, that's for sure. I This is the first time we've experienced this, where the winner in the Cup Series has been DQ'd since they've come out with these rules. I mean, the first one was Ross Chastain in 2019 in the Truck Series. We've, we've covered that race, because he had just switched points and was going to run for Truck truck points and i kind of sent them back a little bit to make the playoffs yeah i i'm i'm glad that they did this it's just it's one of those deals where it's like i want to i want it to happen until it happens and then i'm kind of like oh i'm just i i i I feel like i'm glad it happens like okay so they are willing to dq someone (laughs) they are willing yeah they're not afraid to um but uh i talk about it just it's not a new winner and it wasn't taking away a new winner, but it just adds to the craziness of, of people winning so far this year. And Rob, I did, I did want to let me go. Let me let me double check here. I'm I'm pretty sure this hasn't happened because of uh, um, well, that's that's the darn entry list. Racing reference is updating so slow lately. Yes, um, you you are are very true. This has been brought up by a lot of racing journalists. Jenna Fryer's brought this up. 
uh, before. And a lot of people are very concerned that this is NASCAR suppressing other series. Yeah, well, yeah, well, they got the, the homepage hasn't been updated, but the the page for Cup has at least in here that think think about it going all the way down the list the twenty one races they haven't updated the Denny Hamlin thing yet, but the twenty one races we still don't have a back to back winner in the Cup series. I love it. I Next love it. Gen car is doing exactly what we wanted it to do, which yeah. is make NASCAR fun again. Not make it this boring, predictable stuff that I could probably put money on, and or that time that I I played fantasy racing during the in 2015 when I first started at my job at the Indy Star at the time I played fantasy racing through the playoffs at the Chase at the time, and I think I got like eight out of the ten races right. Not bad, just because of how stupidly predictable half of it was. I think Joey Logano. I think I just picked Joey Logano most of the time, and he ended up winning like most of those races. And I was like, "Yeah, because I know he's going to win the race, and it's going to be disappointing." Um, I didn't have Kyle Busch as a champion, though, so I, I didn't have that at that time. But I know I had most of the winners right. I remember that. So, all right, let's talk about the outstanding performances. Josh, who are you giving it to this weekend? I'm going to give it to Will Power. He double podiumed and closed up on the. Championship leader Marcus Erickson uh, kind of did what he had to do to get himself back in there after having a rough couple weeks about a month ago when he's kind of been clawing back up a little bit. Um, gained ground yesterday, but l- fell back in the standings. Kind of a rough one, like, oh, so we gained ground, but we lost the position. And then with New Garden's unfortunate issues and him and Erickson finishing just below power both days, he's, he's now second eight points out of the championship lead. Yeah, that was actually interesting when you talk about that championship. It was Newgarden, prior to his accident, had taken over the points lead. And then when he crashed, he fell back to fourth. So Power kind of benefited by his teammates' bad day. He did. um, Quite a bit. Uh, I'm giving my outstanding performance to old Jim Jam. Jimmy Johnson, holy cow. The things I watched him do in an indie car, I've never seen him doing an Indy car before. I don't think I've ever seen a driver with zero single seater experience prior to 2020 do that in an Indy car. Um, not just the things he was doing on Saturday, but then the things he was doing on Sunday when, you know, he was on the same pit cycle as everybody else. He was, um, you know, he was still a front runner and a contender, even in both races. You know, it was a matter of just watching Jimmy literally drive that car on the ragged edge and it it was it was one of those situations where it really made me sit here and i'm like this is why indycar has to get more ovals you have to promote things like hyvie did for the sole purpose so that jimmy johnson can have a fighting chance in more races because yes he's going to be an also ran on a road course it's going to take him a while he might get it eventually but in order to keep him in your series, which he clearly draws a lot of eyeballs. He draws a lot of fans in the Indy 500 this year. You have no idea how many Jimmy Johnson gear I saw. I mean, it was selling like hotcakes. You couldn't find his diecast. You couldn't find his T-shirt. I went to. I mean, people love their Jimmy. Let me tell you that he is a very popular dude out there in IndyCar. People are pulling for Jimmy. People love Jimmy. He's popular. He's bringing a lot of eyes to IndyCar right now. 
They need to capitalize on this by getting more ovals because what Jimmy Johnson can do in an Indy car on an oval is just as good as what he could do in a stock car anywhere else. I mean, this is incredible. What I saw this weekend out of Jimmy Johnson, I have not seen since he went full-time in IndyCar. I mean, that was incredible. He was going high, he was going low, he was going in the middle. And this was not just when he had fresh tires. This was when he had worn tires. This was when he was in traffic. This was when he was battling for position. This was when he was racing his teammate. It did not matter, and he ran clean. Yeah, he had that one spin uh, because he had to pay, hit the apron. You know, okay, shake that off. Rookie problem. Hey, it's it's an instinct. I understand. He's re- still relearning. It's an instinct. He quickly relearned. Okay, can't touch that apron, can't touch that. And as soon as he re- learned that, Boom. Dude just took off, had a mistake-free race, full of incredible passes, full of incredible moves, putting his car anywhere it could go, and saving the car multiple times. Like, the car was clearly sideways. I mean, we're talking oversteer probably more than any average driver would have wanted in their car. Any average sane driver probably would have come in and said, hey, I need you to put some wing in this. This thing's out of control. Jim Jam goes out there and says, I can slip slide around here no problem he just does he just does he just does and it's 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 really proof to me that jimmy johnson is the talent that he is you know his his when you put him in a totally different race car but you put him in his element he's going to impress you when you put him in a totally different race car and you take him entirely out of his element he's going to be a bit lost and that's to be expected so it's more reasons why I don't care what he does on road and street courses as long as he goes out there and does that on an oval. Yeah. Like what he was doing this weekend was proof that not only he belongs in the series, but that Chip Ganassi should at the very least make sure that he's racing in every single oval from now until the money dries up. Because that dude's going to get you results, he's going to get you points, and he's going to have a great time doing it, and he's going to bring a lot of eyes to the sport. Like we were talking earlier about, you know, if you promote it, they will come. IndyCar's got to get this high V idea on so many more ovals. They've got to start finding partners that can promote local partners. They're willing to put up the money and say, you know, all right, let's stage this race at Kentucky. Let's stage this race at Michigan. Let's put this race in Chicagoland. Let's, you know, put this race, you know, I, I, at Kansas. Whatever, I don't care. Let's. You just have to have this uh, some partner willing to do what Hy-Vee does, and you can sell the place out. We've seen that with, with this Iowa weekend. We've just learned a lot, um, and not. And we also learned obviously that Jimmy Johnson is one hell of a race car driver. He's one hell of a race car driver, and you should never have doubted him. Um, so let's go ahead here and talk about our Camping World Truck Series playoff predictions, Josh, because the playoff, the Truck Series playoffs are coming up at IRP now this weekend. Yeah. Um, so uh, the drivers who made it, here's, the, here's our seedings. The seedings you want me to list them off here for the standings? I got the standings in front of me. Yes, go ahead and, and list off the seedings. I, th- I thought they were in order here. On the- they are in order. This minus the points. Oh, well, I don't need the points right now. Oh, you don't need let's, the points? Let's okay, talk about it. Here's the drivers in the playoffs for the Truck Series. Zane Smith, Ben Rhodes, John Hunter Nemechek, Chandler Smith, Stuart Friesen, Carson Josevar, Ty Majeski, Christian Eckes, Grant Enfinger, Matt Kraft, and those are your playoff drivers in the Truck Series. Uh, in the round of 10, we've got coming up here is IRP, Richmond, and Kansas. Two drivers are going to be eliminated. Who are your two, Josh? Uh, Grant Enfinger and Matt Kraft are the last guys in. Um, they both made them in despite my prediction that one of them wouldn't. 
but I still think they're the slowest out of the 10. They've been the least impressive out of this top 10 that made it in. Um, Grant Infinger making mistakes. He's pushing the truck too too hard. And Matt Crafton is just 10th. He's just 10th. So, yeah, those are my guys I'm going out. Don't have any faith in them moving on unless they luck into a win. Um, I agree with you on Grant Infinger, and that's not necessarily so much Enfinger's fault. I think GMS as a whole is struggling this year. It Obviously, is. Jack Wood is not helping them at no. all. No. Uh, <laughs> weekly Jack Wood and Chris Wright cautions are sure fun. Um, but anyway, uh, definitely that that's not helping. And it, so that's not Enfinger's fault. I'm not picking on him just because you know I think he hasn't been good this season. I'm picking on him just because he got the bum end of a deal and had to go to a a struggling GMS when. GMS probably should be better than what they are by now. I'm telling you, GMS is better when they have like three or four trucks. Yeah. Um, but uh, I am actually going to say, I think that the other guy that's going to not move on is probably going to be Ty Majeski. He just hasn't impressed me this year. I mean, he just hasn't looked like a playoff contender to me. He hasn't seemed like somebody that is going to make a deep run. I'm sure he's seated higher than uh Eckes, Enfinger, and Crafton, but that uh, shoot to me, I mean that doesn't mean much. I don't think that I don't see him doing much at Richmond or Kansas. I mean he might do something at IRP. We'll see, but I I just don't see him doing much. So um yeah, Grand Enfinger Time and Jeske, those are my two out. Um how about the round of eight, which is gonna be Bristol, Talladega, and Homestead. Cutoff race at Homestead. That'll be fun. Josh, who's getting eliminated after Homestead? Well, we're going to differ a little bit here. I like this. I got John Hunter Neocek being eliminated. Ben Rose, Stuart Friesen, and Christian Eckes. Um, I feel like John Hunter Neocek is, again, one of those guys to shoot himself in the foot. He's running better than Crafton, but the team's making mistakes. He's making mistakes. They're competent and bad luck. I think they will barely miss out on moving on. I'll say that. Ben Rhodes, kind of quietly good, quietly bad at the same time. And Stuart Friesen, just, just, he's been good. He's been, this is the best trick he's had since switching to Toyota, but he still hasn't been great enough. And Christian Eckes, again, this was a tough one. This was a tough, like the first two were easy to pick to get out for me. But the, the, the figuring out, I actually picked the final four. I'm like, okay, here's my final four. And then I'm like, well, they're the four guys that are not moving on. So, yeah, I, I just, these, they're going to be close. I think this is, I think this will be the closest, or it should be, the closest round of eight battle that the truck series has had. And uh, the only thing that could potentially screw that up is just a Talladega wild one, which is likely. But I think it might be very evenly matched to get into uh, the round of uh, the, the championship four race, I should say. That's, not, that's my predictions. Um, I'm interested to hear that. I was interested to hear why you picked JHN to get eliminated. I just don't believe in his luck. I think he's, I th- again, I think he's going to miss out by like one or two points. Okay. It's going to be one or two points. Cause see my, my, uh, my four getting eliminated after Homesteader is Crafton, Eckes, Friesen, and Josefar. The only reason I'm saying Josefar for that is unfortunately, I just don't see him winning. I I mean I feel like if he would have if if he was gonna win it would have been he would have won by now. Um, not to say that he hasn't been robbed a couple of times. Not to say that he hasn't 
messed up himself a couple of times. But at the same, but you know, it's it's situations like that that pay dividends in the end. And you just have to be perfect, and you have to nail your your marks. And I just don't think Hosevar is there yet as a driver. I think he'll get there. I definitely think he'll get there. Uh, I just don't see it coming uh, already in the playoffs. Um, and I think, unfortunately, he's just going to be on the outside looking in after Homestead. I mean, I his his best, and not to say that he couldn't win at any of these tracks, but you know, I just I just don't see him doing it unfortunately. So, but yeah, Eckes, Friesen, and, and Crafton, uh, they've been good. They've won races. Crafton hasn't, but it's just, they're not, they're not the cream at the top of the truck series yet. They're getting there. They could be there, but they're not, not just there yet. I think top four is going to be the absolute cream of the truck series crop. So who's your top four? Who's your championship four? I got, you want to say my champion too? Uh, at the end, yeah. Okay. I got Zane Smith, Chandler Smith, Tom Ajeski, and Carson Hosevar. So this was very much a kind of a, I don't know. You might call, might label this one a March Madness type of uh, definitely pick. But I like Carson Hosevar because I've he's only getting healthier by the day. And he has impressed me with this broken foot. I think he's got grit. I think he's a little bit like Ross Chastain, where he's willing to take that risk. Uh, he's willing to drive that truck 102%. Um, instead of where some guys will settle for 97%, he's gonna he's not going to settle for that. I like that about him. Tom Majeski, unlike you, I think he's been impressive. I th- He doesn't have a win, but I think he's been the most impressive Thor Sport car or truck across the entire year. He's been very consistent. Um, and... I see these the other two, the two Smiths, not related, I see them winning a lot in the playoffs. So a win, while it will advance you on, you may not have the opportunity to win because these two are the hottest drivers in the truck series out who are playoff eligible anyways. And now it's only them who are playoff eligible. So Chandler Smith, I think he's going to win several races. I think Zane Smith's going to win several races too. And Zane Smith overall has been the most consistent truck out there in a Ford. I think Zane Smith wins this championship. I think he wins this championship for front row motorsports. Uh, and I do think that at that final race of Phoenix, it's going to be come down between him and Chandler. You know, I don't hate that Zane Smith pick. And honestly, I would have, I was probably going to do it too. Um, it's just that I have another reason. So my Championship four is going to be John Hunter Nemechek, Zane Smith, Ben Rhodes, Chandler Smith. But John Hunter Nemechek, I think, is going to get this done. I just, I feel like he had the opportunity to last year and it went away for him. And he's going to bounce back. You know, I think he's just taking his time during the regular season. He's locked himself in. You know, he doesn't need to be super aggressive and he hasn't been. Um, he's just taking his time. And that's, that's all he has to do right now. Uh, and I think that'll pay off for him when he gets to Phoenix. I think, like I said, I think he's gonna he has opportunities to win. Um, you know, he's in KBM equipment, and as long as KBM continues to give him top tier equipment, I think I absolutely see him winning this championship. Because, like I said, he's learned from last year. He's learned from the last couple of years. I think I think JHN gets it done um, when we uh, finish up in Phoenix in November. So. 
with that, uh, Josh, why don't you go ahead, and we're actually doing a lot better on time, so why don't you go ahead and take over the featured week in racing uh, and tell us all about the history segment for this year, and then we'll wrap things on up. All right, well, let's jump right into it here. We just a little over two hours here. Uh, Peter Collins scored his third and final Formula One Grand Prix victory on July 19th. 1958. It was the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. He bested his Ferrari teammate, Mike Hawthorne, by 24.2 seconds. And then Roy Salvadori placed third in a Cooper Car Company machine who beat Stuart Lewis Evans by just two tenths. Yeah, pretty close battle there uh, for that last podium spot. American Harry Shell uh, was fifth driving for Owen Racing Organization. Another American, Carol Shelby, finished ninth. Uh, and uh, was the final car running uh, of the race. He was driving a Scuderia Centro Sud. Sud. Not sure which one. I'm not sure how that goes in, in, in Italian, but it's SUD. So Italians out there, I apologize. Uh, the 1996 Ford Dealers 225 at Louisville Motor Speedway took place on July 20th, 1996. Ron Hornaday won, and it was one of his four victories in the 1996 season which he would be the champion. Mike Skinner finished second. Jimmy Hensley was third. Dave Resendez was fourth. And Joe Rutman was fifth. Frank Kimmel was in this race. Yes, the same Frank Kimmel who won all those ARCA championships. He drove the number double zero Banquet Table Chevrolet for Andy Campbell, starting 27th and finishing 13th. On July 21st, 2002, Ward Burton scored... Uh, his fifth and final career NASCAR Winston Cup Series victory at New Hampshire, driving the number 22 Caterpillar Dodge for Bill Davis Racing. Uh, it was Bill Davis's final career cup win, too. Jeff Green, driving the number 30 America Online Chevy for RCR, finished second. It was Green's best career finish in cup. Del Jarrett was third. Rusty Wallace, fourth. Ryan Newman was fifth. Brothers Todd and Jeff Bodine were teammates, driving the number 26 and 66 uh, Fords for Travis Cotter, respectively. Jeff finished 43rd, uh, not completing a single lap with a rear-end failure, and Todd Bodine finished 6th, one of the best runs for the uh, 26 car that year. I believe it was. I believe this car was uh, in this race was sponsored by Discover Card, which was a good-looking scheme that year. Uh, NASCAR was. Uh, uh, was at Pocono this weekend, so let's uh, wind the clock back 22 years to July 22, 2000, when Ryan Newman picked up his first career win in what is now the Arkham Menard Series, driving the number 27 Altel Ford for Roger Penske. Just a strange number looking back, but dang, that car still looked good. Those Altel cars were so, so good looking. Oh, my goodness. Newman led 40 of 80 laps in the Pepsi Arca 200 uh, at Pocono, Finishing in second was Kerry Earnhardt, driving the number two for DEI. In third was Frank Kimmel, driving the number 46 Advanced Auto Parts Chevrolet for owner Larry Clement. Tim Steele was fourth, and Mike Swain Jr. was fifth. USAC Champ Car at one time did race uh, in Indianapolis multiple times, uh, just as modern IndyCar does. They just did it at IMS and IRP. On July 23, 1967, Mario Andretti won the Hoosier Grand Prix, which was an 80-lap race on the 1.875-mile road course at Indianapolis Raceway Park. Al Unser 
was second, and Brother Bobby was third. They were the only three to finish on the lead lap. Jim McElrath was fourth and uh, finished one lap down. Arnie, Arnie Nepper was fifth, two laps down. USAC raced to IRP eight times from 1965 to 1970. Mario Andretti and Al Unser each won three times with Dan Gurney and Peter Revson winning the other two. July 24, 2016, a date Kyle Busch scored his second straight Brickyard 400 victory. He stunk up the show. I was there, Rob. I believe you were there, too. Uh, he stunk up the show, leading 149 of 170 laps due to overtime. Oh, how Indianapolis was getting screwed by the one-size-fits-all aero package. Yes, I will save my rant for another day. Such a bad race. Such a bad race. It was hot as heck out there. It was boring. Every car was separated by about a second and a half. There were no cautions whatsoever. There's nothing happening. It was like a test session. It was. It was bad. But again, just just, bad decisions. The race didn't have to be that bad, but it was bad decisions. But let's talk about the good part. This race is remembered for something else, however. A final farewell lap by Indiana boys Tony Stewart and Jeff Gordon. While Gordon had technically retired in November 2015, he was seven for the injured Dale Earnhardt Jr. and the number 88 Exalta Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, he and Stewart drove side by side, saluting the fans one last time and embraced each other on pit road. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, Stewart finished 11th and Gordon 13th. Again, I was I was there, and as a Gordon fan, it was cool to see him one more time. While I, I felt bad for Jr., being injured it was it was cool for gordon to have maybe one more shot after that cursed 3m car failed him miserably um in 2015 so yeah that was a that was a cool date that was a cool date um the race again stunk not the track's fault not the track's fault i'll say it again one more time not the track's fault but um I don't think I, I. I think I definitely felt shivers up my spine. The hair stood up. Just, just I. We were seeing something very cool, and I don't know how if anyone else who was listening to this or anyone else there shared that. But watching them drive uh, on the on the camera screen or the uh, TV monitors on the front stretch of there and down the back stretch was just something very very cool. All right, uh, last one here. Uh, this one is for Rob. This one is for Rob. The 1999 U.S. 500 presented by Toyota took place on July 25th. The 26-car kart field contested 250 laps in just 2 hours and 41 minutes at Michigan. Tony Kanaan, driving for Forsyth Championship Racing, won the race after leading just 7 laps uh, in the final 30 laps. He led all those in the final 30 laps. Juan Pablo Montoya, driving for Chip Ganassi, was 2nd, and Paul Tracy was 3rd. Michael Andretti and Dario Franchini rounded out the top five with Adrian Fernandez, Max Pappas, Christian Fittipaldi, Jimmy Vassar, and Patrick Carpentier uh, filling out the top ten. Finishing 11th was Dennis Vitolo, and he was the final driver running at the end of the race with the other 15 cars failing to finish. So, Rob, that that one was for you because I know you just love talking about it. I'm looking at the the rundown of it here um and what i love is the lap leaders and how many there were 30 lap changes right 30 i, I think i, I filled right yeah there. 30 lap changes uh 
see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different drivers led. Um, yeah, Montoya, Frankie, Canon, Pappas. Here, this is just within. This was just within the last couple. Of, yeah, this was the last lap pass Canon made on Pappas because Pappas ran out of gas on the last lap. Um, and then Montoya almost passed him, and it just I I just wish we could get IndyCar racing in Michigan again because it didn't matter what series was there. You know, IndyCar at Michigan was a fantastic race, and as someone who went to the last three IndyCar races there at Michigan, I always believe that, you know, there's Indianapolis. that Those are always going to be the best. That's always going to be, like, the, the top, like, list. I'm always going to be very proud every time I get to see an Indy 500. but to be able to go to my grave now and say I saw IndyCar racing at Michigan, like it makes me feel very proud but sad at the same time. Like I wish I could go see it again. I I just wish like there, that was something that as a kid I took for granted. I think was being able to go see that race, and then when it went away, I I just I didn't know what to do. It just it kind of took a major thing that that made me really enjoy IndyCar racing. It just kind of took it away from me. So I love, and I love watching the kart races there because I feel like if I was more conscious as a child when these were happening, like obviously I was, I was alive, but I was a NASCAR fan when most of these races You're were You're more happening. aware of them. Right. If I was more aware of these kinds of races, I probably would even feel even more sad because watching these races on YouTube and I saw a someone posted a home video of the 2001 finish to the race and I just sat there and and it it, it made me remember cuz where the home video was was right on the front stretch which is where I we used to sit um when when we went there to see the races when my dad and I went there um, and it just, it felt very nostalgic and it felt like, I was like, man, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have seen, I mean, I'm glad I got to see those IRL races cause those were fun. Don't get me wrong. Those pack races were fun. They were exciting. They were wheel to wheel action. That was just, you couldn't get any better than that. And you wouldn't get any better than that. But there was something to be said about the slingshots, of the Hanford device that just, Everything was made more insane. The speeds were faster. The The moves were faster. Everything was just, I mean, there was so much more attrition. Not to say that there wasn't attrition in the IndyCar races there, too. I remember the last two races I went, there were, again, like only maybe 11, 10 or 11 cars running at the finish in 07 and 06, too. No different than 99, obviously. The race at Michigan has always been a race of attrition, and that's another thing that I've always appreciated. It, it really pushes the engine builders. It pushes the teams, especially in IndyCar racing. You have to build a car that can go the distance, um, and you have to be a driver that can mentally be able to race wheel-to-wheel at these speeds. I mean, you're racing at those speeds at Indianapolis, and it, but you're not doing it wheel-to-wheel. At Michigan, you are. You could be three wide at some time times, you know. Most of the time, I imagine in a modern IndyCar, they wouldn't be three wide. It would be more akin to a kart race there. But even then, I mean, I just, I just imagine how great it would be to watch these modern IndyCars at Michigan. I just imagine that, Josh. I, I think about how great 
Texas was this year. And I just think, man, if we could do that same thing to Michigan, it'd be special. It'd be special. So thank you for talking about that. I really, really appreciate it. Um, it was fun to hear about that. So anyway, let's wrap up the show this week with the What's in the Windshield. Supercars returning this weekend at the Bend on July 30th and 31st. I'm going to be at IMS, so we'll see if I'm awake enough to watch them. Well, the NASCAR races usually tend to start later, and the traffic is a lot less, so maybe I'll be able to watch them if they're not on too late. Um, then the Formula One has the Hungarian Grand Prix this weekend before the summer break. That's the rat last race before the summer break. Um, good grief. Formula E has the uh, London E-Prix this weekend on July 30th, 31st. So look at this. We got supercars. We got Formula One. We got Formula E. We got IndyCar and NASCAR both at Indianapolis. We got uh, the Truck Series at IRP. Thank the good Lord with the ARCA Series. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at the truck race at IRP for Indy Star Sports. I'm super excited about that. I got a bunch of stories coming in that are going to be pretty basic, nothing too groundbreaking, but trying to kind of help the promotion of the event to try and hopefully get people out there. I know I don't like to talk about the media's influence, but sometimes when I have the ability to maybe help out a race here and there, I'm more I'm more prone to use that influence to maybe help the, the promotion of a race. Good. Yes, I am. I'm using my my uh, media influence for good um, by by telling the people everything they need to know about the truck race coming up at, at IRP on Friday and the ARCA race for that matter too. Um, and then, like I said, Xfinity IndyCar doubleheader on Saturday at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and then the Verizon 200, as they keep calling it, because they we can't have nice things, um, is on Sunday. Um, and that is that. I think there's probably some other races that I probably missed, but that's okay because we have to wrap these things up. So that is it for the show this week. We really appreciate you, uh, you, you all tuning in and listening to this show as always. We really appreciate your support. Make sure to follow us on social media if you haven't already. My name is at rpeters33. That's R-P-E-E-T-E-R-S-3-3. Josh can be found at roller underscore zero one, R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. And the show can be found at Robin Roller, spelled just as it sounds, R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-E-R. Those We are very, very active on Twitter. That is the best place to come uh, find out about when the new podcast drops, when the Diecast Tuesday is coming up. Make sure to share that along. You know, share your upshift and downshift answers to it with me. I love I love it when our listeners share their upshift, downshift questions. You could do so with the Spotify question of the week as well. If you're a Spotify listener, you can answer the, a select upshift, downshift question right in your app. This couldn't be any simpler. You don't even, if you're, if you're too nervous to tweet at me, don't worry. You can answer it right in the, in the app and I won't even know who you are. I won't know who you are. It's, it's totally anonymous. You can tell me what you think about that specific question. Um, lots of ways to get in touch with the show. So be sure to do so. Use the hashtag Robin Roller too. We also, I have that on tweet deck. I have that. I'm monitoring that search. So anytime you guys use that hashtag, I'll know and I'll be able to respond to you guys. So have a great weekend, everybody. We're, we're I'm already looking forward to it. Lots of racing in Indianapolis, lots of racing all over the world in Formula One and supercars and Formula E, probably even more races that, that we might have missed. Um, but anyway, have a great week, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, we will see you next week. For Josh Roller, my name is Rob Peters, and this has been the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody.